Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benham. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. Joe, you sound knackered. It's been a feels like a decade ago since last weekend, but you you missed the last show. You've been up in Liverpool. You're up in Scotland while we were doing our last show. Has it killed you off? Uh, I shouldn't have played football today. That's ah. <laughs> uh, oh, I was uh, looking for some reserves of energy, and I was you know maybe playing at kind of seventy five percent, and then. Uh, Near the end of your pre-season. We were 2-0 up. Both goals by uh, yours truly. Wow. <laughs> um, and they got it to 2-all. And I was like, oh, shit. So I had to start putting a shift in. And uh, got it to 3-2. And then the keeper and the centre-back fucked up. And it ended up at 3 all in the end. And oh. we were pushing for a winner. And it didn't come. And I was annoyed because I thought, we'll kill him off. I can just relax in the second half. But... Oh. Didn't happen, and I'm fucked. I feel like if it had finished three two, it could have been like the equivalent of Tramia Rochdale. Sounds like the similar kind of drama <laughs> that we oh. saw this weekend while you were up. Uh, but... I, I'm not sure my goals were of the quality of two of those Rochdale <laughs> goals that we saw. That's yeah. for sure. Oh. Um, they were all right, but two of them Rochdale goals were different level. Mm, different yeah. level for oh. League One. That was one of the best League One matches I've been to, and I was watching Southampton League One for a couple of seasons. Mm. Yeah, that was it. I, I was I was going expecting just to do the Jeff Jarrett trail, and we did that. But actually, yeah, it was a genuinely good game, wasn't it, JP? I don't know if you have you recovered from our, our trip over to Birkenhead. You got to see a bit of Kirkdale. Oh. Uh, it's a bit of uh... God's country. <laughs> uh, if oh. you ever meet God, he'll have a postcard from Kirkdale stuck on his fridge. <laughs> it's 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 a place, isn't it? It's quite an incredible place. I mean, bear in mind, I live in Walton which is just down the road from Kirktale by Goodison Park. But you got to see the, all of the sites, JP. What, what were your highlights of, uh, of our fair area? Oh, um, heroin foods or heron <laughs> foods. As, as, That's got to was... be a national chain. I didn't realise it was just a Merseyside thing. It can't be. It's it, it, If it's anywhere outside of that road, I'd be very surprised. Mm. Um, the crepe shop, they just seem to refuse to serve us. Very oh, yeah, twice. They, twice. they lost out on business. Yeah, I was well night. up for a crepe before that journey back. I fancied but, um, a waffle when I was drunk that night. This walk, is on, this is on the world-famous county road. Uh, what, what was the problem? See, the, they just didn't like the, that you were Southerners, thought you were away fans? What was it? Yeah, a little bit of northern snobbery on us. There's a little bit of that, you know, subtle bit of that over the weekend. That woman who didn't like... Very much the oppressed minority in the UK is the sound. (laughs) But that was that woman who didn't like you because you were an Arsenal fan or something. 
She seemed very upset about yeah. that. We're kind of jumping all over the week. Yeah, yeah. But she was all right about it, by the end. But she seemed, yeah, I was like, where's the natural Everton-Arsenal rivalry? But I don't know. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a good... I like walking around Goodison is was kind of intriguing, seeing those statues and how mm. old it is as well. But yeah. they're going to have that new... You're going to have that new fancy stadium soon. Oh, yeah. So it's like, yeah... Maybe you might get some big regeneration money going in around uh, around Kirkdale. Probably I was, not. I was a big fan of that taxi driver JP on Thursday night that just oh. drove me and you drove me and you round. Gave you he was he, he was an, he was talking to you about Arsenal, wasn't he? He gave us the tour yeah. of Goodison around. You got to you got to see a little bit of the sights. He was quizzing me while I was hammered about Nicholas Pepe, and I thought I can't really go in depth at this particular juncture. He did seem very interested though. So mm. proper like he, he seemed quite happy about the idea of driving around Goodison for a sort of a. a 3 a.m. tour of it, whatever hmm. bloody time it was at that stage. Okay. Yeah, it was cracking, though. Oh, I'd, I'd, mate, I want to go. I'm going to go there on my holidays next summer. <laughs> I reckon you're going to buy a house around here. I think you're just enamored yeah. with the place now that you saw the. I. You saw what it can. I'm angry Jacob. since I've, I'm angry since I've got back about that. That's just wrong. Why don't you move him with Benno? He's got a spare room. There you go. You're welcome anytime, JP. Ah, uh, that's it got me thinking. Can I offer Oxford wages then? Oh, Grapple Towers B, I think it is. I think gra- the proper Grapple Towers is Garrett's, which is a very, very nice house in Crosby. Um, it is. Yeah, yeah. Probably buy 10 of my houses for that. The Grapple Ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, such as Walton. Uh, but yeah, we'll get, we'll get it. I suppose we'll get more, to more detail on uh, on my hood and the uh, the general weekend that we got, got up to this weekend. So lots and lots of uh, touristy sites, but... I suppose one mm. thing we should mention before we get into it in too much detail, uh, there was a bit of news this weekend. Uh, turned out, lads, while you were in Liverpool, Brit Res died. That was a thing. Um, I don't know whether it was Smallman leaving progress that was the final nail on the coffin, the defiant closing, Chris Roberts going to WWE. Um, I don't know uh, whether it's Dan Maloney getting getting bookings everywhere. Maybe that's the best sign that, that Brit Res is dead. Uh, but fuck me, there was a lot, of, a lot of news while we were away, JP. Yeah, it was weird. It was like... Being at that TNT show and you get there's two bits of news that break. One of which was that Harley Race died and they put an image of him up at the um, mm. up at the interval and then Defiant closes. The two aren't related, obviously, <laughs> in any way, shape or form. But it was like that was a bit weird in in and of itself. Kind of shocking Defiant um, never booked Harley Race. To be fair, booked everyone else. <laughs> Could have well, put him in a World Cup. What's his name? The fella from the north who stood up to Bodum that time. The Jack Duckworth of Brit, Brit Rest. Oh, what's his bloody name? Rampage Brown? No, the guy who was at the Super J Cup. The Super J Cup. The Rev Pro J Cup. Him and um, where, Marty Jones? Marty Jones, Jones that's it. Yes. He was like the Harley Race equivalent there. He was great in Defiant. His one appearance. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, all the, all the sort of Brit Rest is Dead stuff seemed to happen completely. Because I also didn't want to have spoiled G1. So for a lot of the weekend, it's like I wasn't on a lot of social media. Mm. So when hearing this stuff and seeing we came back and, and people saying about about being dead, I was like, what? what happened? Did we completely miss something as well that happened into the boot? But it's, yeah, there's... A, Big sort of news, like days though, wasn't it? Mm. Those four days or so, the stuff was coming out, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's if, it's, if, a, it's a shifting landscape, if nothing else. Definitely. I mean, if we're honest, it's been when I say Brit Res is dead because I'm one of the main people who kind of started saying it. Brit, I, I know it's that top level. It's that it's that boom period. It's that you know promotions that people all around the world are watching 
that is dead. And it's been dead for like a year and a half now. Uh, maybe the last year, if you want to be charitable. I just, for me, Smallman leaving progress, which we should probably talk in more detail, is kind of just a, it just makes, it's a nice nice little landmark and, and defiant closing as well. Just a, you're small and leaving progress. Let's let's not mess around. This is this is pro, this is progress's equivalent of, I would assume. You know, come January when he leaves, they're gonna have to change everything about the presentation because everything about progress yeah. is so wrapped up in Jim Smallman. Um, the the ethos, the look, the just the idea of punk rock pro wrestling. Unless you get a Matt Richards to put a backwards baseball cap on, as he's uh, choked about himself, <laughs> you're gonna have to go a different direction of progress in January, and I feel like that's gonna be that when w- uh, Will Cooling uh, mentioned it via me mentioning it, the uh, the old WCW kind of when the night when Nitro kind of died on its arse in 1999, but they still had the old set. You still kind of had that old Nitro aesthetic to cling to. And then as soon as they changed the set and they bought in the likes of DJ Ran, uh, and kind of it became like that WCW 2000 look. It was like like a cold bit of water to your face just to, uh, for the people who were hanging on thinking this is still wcw it could still be good it was like nope this is something completely different and you associate that look and that era of wcw with death and i kind of feel like that's what we're gonna get with progress uh i don't know maybe i'm overreacting i don't know what you think joe is uh is small leaving a big deal is, is progress dead is is brit res dead is the boom over um what's your take on it yeah um <laughs> all of the above know. Yeah, I, I don't know if dead is the right word. I just, mm. it's not hot. Yeah, it's just a dramatic um, word, it? Yeah, the top tier is kind of cold at this point in time. Mm. Like, yeah, there are still good matches that take place at these promotions. There are good wrestlers there. But progress, let's be honest, died once we started hearing about um, their mates in Connecticut and mm. all the rest. Let's be honest. It's been a slow um, bleeding elf kind of death, though, and we're still in the midst yeah, of it. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people who, you know, progress is a real integral part of their social life. And one in four Sundays who have been trying to pretend that there's still really good stuff going on in progress. And fair enough, that's how they feel. And, you know, um, I'm sure there are people who are trying to pretend that there are still really great benefits that can come from no deal. Um, but <laughs> at this stage, I just what is progress really offering if you ask me it's not been hot for a long time it's been pretty hard to watch i've found Mm. for a long time when i have watched it and yeah it's just i think it's been coming for a while jim's act has been stale for a long time yeah Uh, i've Mm. said for a while he needs to change that act up he's got to adapt it in some way he's not been able to do that or he's not really been willing to do that he's probably got a lot on Let's be honest. He's working two jobs with Progress and NXT UK. You know, they're probably prioritizing the NXT yeah. UK job. I kind of get that. At this Family point life time. as well and other things yeah. outside of wrestling and the rest of it. It's... Exactly. So I get it. And you know what? Fair play to him and all the best to him. Um, as much shit as we've given Progress over the years, he's done some amazing stuff in British wrestling. Yeah. Let's be honest he's about it. He's the best ring in British wrestling. Like, even if we yeah. say yes. we're sick of his style, and even if I'd say watching the VOD, I absolutely skip over him now. He's still the best ringer in Anson and Brit Res. It's still, like you say, he was so important to those hardcore fans. For me, you know, I've mentioned it a few times, taking casual fans to the shows or non-fans to the shows, like my brother, like... Yeah. He's the first thing that people talk about because you forget, you know, how how much of a big part he is of of that progress atmosphere. But yeah, you're not wrong. He, he did get stale towards the end. 
and he can get people up for a match as well. If yeah. there's a match where he's the crowd are a little bit down, yeah, he's very good at doing it. He always has been. The shtick was very effective. It was fun for a long time. It's mm. just kind of, yeah, it's, you know, a bit old now. It feels a bit worn. And I don't know where progress goes from here. But, yeah, him leaving, it's a big mm. dent to the identity of progress because, like we, like you said, the identity of progress really is defined by Jim Smallman. But, mm. yeah, we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, I think the one thing I'm mainly surprised about is, and I kind of tweeted this on the day, is like that it's just Jim going. You kind of think if Jim's walking out, maybe the other two would also see the writing of the wall, maybe less Briley, uh, just with obviously him being you know so tied into, I don't know. It, it, a lot of people, you know, without Jim, there's not going to be much of a progress, but it does sound like from all the work he does and the fact that he's kind of the main driver behind a lot of the, the company. Without Briley, there is no progress. Surprise Glenn Joseph sticking around, though, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit weird that one's going and the other two aren't. I mean, obviously, they've all got the jobs with NXT UK, so a bit odd that like Jim is the one that maybe is, is, is saying that, JP, that he, needs, that he needs to walk away and, you know, he's got to focus on other things and... And the other two aren't. Do you, do you read anything into that? Do you think there's any kind of you know, reshuffle going on at, at NXT or NXT UK? You know, you could imagine the likes of Gabe to mm-hmm. to step up to work with Heyman maybe at some point, and there could be you know vacancies over in NXT in the US. I know there's been no news in that direction. I'm just trying to kind of pass why it is that that it's Jim leaving, or maybe it is just as simple as burnout. I actually think it might just be burnout for it, simply because the amount of people they've got in positions who could possibly go into creative roles, they've got almost like too many of them now. Mm. Because the amount of people they've cleaned up, that's the other thing in terms of not only cleaning up wrestlers and and stockpiling them, they've been stockpiling people who've worked as creatives within wrestling as well. Mm. And I honestly, honestly to God think it might be rather simplistic. He's the only one of them with kids. It might be a case of, you know, simply being, you know, not based in London, having a young family, mm. wanting, you know, not wanting wanting to be able to concentrate on one thing for a while, I, I, which is completely understandable. I actually think it might just be as simple as that. I think um, Rovert said something about... Sort of, oh, sorry. Mm. To, I was just going to say, Rovert said something about maybe he just doesn't want to be the world's oldest teenager and his backwards half forever. Maybe, maybe at some point <laughs> he did maybe. kind of have to go. <laughs> maybe that's, that's yeah, something to do Yeah, he well. did. And in, and in some ways, like... You know he's going to get that send off at chapter one hundred. We've spoken about this before, like we'll whether or not chapter one, we are. We are. So, well, I've said actually I'll go along if if Joe's going along as well. So I'm going to be the progress correspondent, the Jim's uh, farewell correspondent for the night. Mate, you've always been the progress correspondent. No, that's always been the case. God, I've been neglecting my duties for the last one. <laughs> No, it's like you a certainly showed like... your disdain for that particular set of correspondence duties. Yeah. <laughs> You've not been shot It would be like me going to Sendai or JP walking around Kirkdale. It's like a safari. I just want, I just want to hear your report yeah. of uh, the Social anthropology. The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great way to put it. Well, uh, Which we actually spoke about this on the incredibly lo- long drive back, which mm. we'll try and the back of our minds. But we spoke about this in detail, about going and kind of looking at it as... How are the crowd going to react to it? What's the kind of overall atmosphere going to be? And mm. from that kind of point of view, that's somewhat distant because, let's be honest, we're not re- invested in the product at all. From that kind of point of view, it's it's interesting to see what they do, whether they lay any hints for what a future direction will be. We've all said it as well about whether or not they go 
after chapter 100, whether it is the complete rebrand because it's needed it for mm. what since for at least 18 months. Yeah. Well, I was there for Ric Flair's farewell at WrestleMania 24. <laughs> I was there for Shawn Michaels' farewell at WrestleMania 26. <laughs> and now I'll be there for Jim Smallman's farewell. And I'm sure I'll be just as emotional. Oh, fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? We have a name for this. No, that's, that sounds, no, that sounds like a real nasty thing to say, doesn't it? I to refuse. those 699 friends in the ballroom, I discount myself <laughs> from that. <laughs> oh. I'm sure this will be more emotional for them than Ric Flair's was for 60,000 in Florida that night, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, on the like the other thing, just to take it back to what you were saying before, JP, the other thing I kind of, the one thing we've noticed, obviously the WWE kind of influence on progress and the slopey bleed we mentioned earlier, you know, I will I will mm. hold our hands up and say we were one of the first and we got a lot of grief for it, people to kind of say that's, yeah. he, that was kind of the way the, the winds were blowing and what was probably going to happen when you, when you get into bed with WWE. I mean, the thing I would say though is they are, they're still making money. Maybe that's why Briley sticks around, why Glenn Joseph uh, keeps it going. Uh, it seems at mm-hmm. least that from the outside. Obviously, they've they've stepped off the gas quite a bit. You know, the, gone are the days where you know we need a bigger room every year. Gone are the days of oh, I know they're doing. Where are they this month? France and Canada. But as far as you know, big US yeah. long yeah. tours like they did last year, those days are kind of over. As far as finding new areas of Britain to go and run properly, rather than just you know we'll go to Manchester once or twice a year now, rather than the the four or five times they were in previous years, they, they they've clearly stepped back a lot. Um, so I don't know whether we should expect you know much uh, come next year. Whether you know even if they do rebrand, it does just feel like progress is is starting to peter out and. That kind of ties to kind of what my but the whole overall point is with all again with all this Brit Rez's dead stuff is just like progress is quite clearly the number one promotion in the UK. I mean, no matter mm. how we you know haven't loved all the shows, I think I've been higher a little bit than you guys recently, but still not that high. Still lots and lots to pick out and and rip into with progress this last year or so. Um, they are still the biggest promotion in this country. You know, no one else is doing what they do. You know whether it's the six to 700 fans in uh, in Camden or they can come to Manchester on a whim and, and draw that many. They can go to new areas and draw that many. If you talk to US fans of Brit Res, they're going to talk to you about progress. They're unlikely to talk to you about anyone else except for maybe the odd Rev profile, but not that many of them. But progress are kind of at the, I think, at the very top of the pyramid, you know, with your likes of Rev Pro, OTT, you know, if you count them, uh, maybe ICW, you know, Fight Club Pro, maybe a notch below that. They're kind of the the top level, aren't they, of the British Indies? And again, when we say Brit Res is dead, I mean, I've got to laugh at the likes of, you know, Dan Maloney comes out on Twitter and it's like, well, you know, I'm getting booked in Rev Pro and I'm, I've got a, a full pack weekend next weekend. So how's Brit Res dead? And it's like, well, if Dan fucking Maloney is getting these prominent bookings, then maybe maybe that's all the proof I need to say Brit Res is dead. Um, and you got people coming out making, you know, no shots at anyone individually, but, you know, people making lists of all these Brit Res, you know, like... Um, you know, these Brit Res mid-carders that are out there, you know, like the the, mm. the famous list that Scroobius Pitt made of, uh, of the likes <laughs> of you know, Body Guy and Moser are around. So, you know, we're going to be okay. And people are making versions of that list today and are quick to point out, yeah, but go support your local indie. And it's like, I think you're missing the point here because that is the point. The point is, you know, Revfro, Progress, 
even OTT, but I think that's a separate thing in Ireland with the venues. But, you know, Fight Club Pro, even the top level of the British Indies, they were things that you've said this a million times, Joe, that, you know, you'd show if your American friend said, what should they be watching? That's what you'd be pointing at. This mm. It was wrestling of a quality over the last three years, four years even. Or that you would recommend people to watch and you could maybe it wouldn't be the absolute best wrestler in the world but you could put it up there with some of the best wrestler in the world and you wouldn't be you know embarrassed to recommend it the eyes of the world were on it and yet there might be local local and, and the, the key word there is local indies drawing a couple hundred people already even in some cases you know drawing upwards of five six seven hundred people and and even higher in that town that they run but as far as promotions that have the world's eyes on them I don't think we've been in a weaker situation in the last four years. I don't think anybody's firing on all cylinders. And I do think that as much as, you know, it's it's an easy place to go. You know, I think Defiant shutting down is because mainly because they lost the YouTube venue, maybe not so much NXT UK. But I do think NXT UK is the easy way to go. We are finally seeing the effects of NXT UK picking you know, and hoarding wrestlers from over here. And, you know, obviously New Japan pulled you know, Will Ospreay, AEW have pulled Jimmy Havoc. They're the two, probably the two biggest drawers in progress history. Uh, Zack Sabre going to New Japan. Just kind of the fruit we're seeing, the the effects now finally of so many years. of oh, we, But we've got all these mid-cards you can step up. And the reality is, while we've got a lot of good talent and we've still got some stars, we've lost so many stars from that top level. We've lost the likes of, of Tyler Bate, who apparently is still, still a professional wrestler. Pete Dunne, Walter... You know, and there's got this news as well that came out this weekend of of those guys allegedly again not being able to work VOD. Um, you know, as far as being appearing on promotions VOD, even Voices of Wrestling reported this, maybe including Progress. When I say Brit Res is dead, it's it's that it's it's that cream of the crop talent that have all been scooped up, rightly or wrongly, with the promotions that we've lost, and it's for me those top promotions, Joe, that that just aren't what they were even you know a year ago and especially two years ago um and it just all of these things together for me just make it just make it really really obvious something that's kind of been on the back of all our brains for at least the last year that yeah the uh the brit res brewing period's over yeah i think so and i think we kind of accepted that um sort of early doors i think we were prepared for it if anything and i do think it was two years ago that we first started saying that progress really were in a bad place and yeah i think they have been for the past two years i think they just haven't been hot for the past two years but also i think um and no disrespect to say when you mentioned dan maloney benno i think he is a talent that is improving all the time and i've really enjoyed him the last couple of times i've seen him on live shows and good on him but yeah he's kind of appearing a bit tone deaf there and isn't really thinking about the, the situation as a whole, he's thinking about his own bookings. Yeah. But I think what you can say is, yeah, the top level kind of indies that have the buzz on them mm. in the UK, but they did even two years ago, 18 months ago. Okay. There have been issues of each of them. Um, people aren't reaching out and watching them as much. I think that's a natural life cycle as well. Mm. But you could also, but what you can say is that the British indies, especially at that lower level, are healthy. There is, mm. There's a healthy number of solid promotions for guys to go work and improve, improve their skill and improve their craft and work on that. And also, there are a lot of wrestlers around. There are a lot more wrestlers around 
in the UK right now than there were, say, 10 years ago, okay? Mm. So, but there are also a lot more promotions for them to work at as well. And, you know, we've seen, I saw a regional indie promotion this weekend, and there were some really good young talent on that indie, and I hope that they carry on working in those local, on those local scenes and improving. And maybe there might be another boom period at some point. Someone else might come along. We'll see what happens with AEW. We'll see what happens with NXT UK. And maybe someone else will rise up at some point. Who knows? But, yeah, I think everything you said there, Benno, was pretty much spot on, mm. if anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, think I, I wouldn't, I mean, JP, I wouldn't doubt that either, that, you know, there are those smaller level indies that, I mean, you know, I wouldn't want them to hit the wall either. And, you know, I would say one thing you kind of said over this weekend, Joe, is like, you know, any any hot kind of underground scene, whether it's in music or wrestling, there's always an expiry date, isn't there? So it's always going to it's always gonna happen at some mm-hmm. point. But I don't know, JP, for me, I kind of think if the top level indies and the ones that drive the buzz are starting to hit a wall, whether there will be that i don't know do you think there will be that trickle down effect for those reliable indies that are still running you know every weekend and are still drawing you know whether it be family crowds or you know something of an underground Mm. buzz kind of crowd i think the the small promotions that that, like the ones we've been to this weekend i think like normally at the end of these life cycles it's like there's not really much of a sort of infrastructure underneath and it feels like there's one there for this yeah one that's going to be able to kind of cope with this so there are a lot of decent promotions doing really good things for them to go to and the younger talent that are there the issue really lies in and we you know always going back to nxt uk is that the thing that would bring them on um is being able to work with those kind of experienced top i mean how much um we saw a guy called luke j was it luke jacobs this weekend he's just turned 18 Mm. ridiculous shape and size on him if he's able to like work matches on a regular basis if he was able to work with a tyler bait or a pete dunn and i know that's going for the sort of top of those british stars he was able to do that they'll be able to progress that bit more so i think that is going to sort of stunt the growth for a little while Nat- the naturally really good ones will come out and they'll get that buzz to them the thing that's really dangerous is that if any of them get a buzz, they're going to end up being signed up so soon mm. that it kind of cuts. It can. It feels like it, a lot of stuff gets cut off at the knees. Mm. And WWE are a spiteful promotion at the end of the day. They targeted two promotions at the start. One was Defiant, which there was always very serious reservations of that business model, the amount they were spending when they were what culture, and even through Defiant as well. And yeah, I, you know, Defiant was a better product. But ultimately, they were one of the ones that were targeted. And the other one's Rev Pro. And in terms of their talent base, they've been absolutely pillaged as much as possible. So it kind of feels... And between that and, frankly, a, a general sense of staleness have been really bad things for them. There's been some... So I think that's where we we kind of are. There's enough of a, a sort of level to go back to, but... The idea that these mid that the mid carders are going to become main eventers, no. There's a reason it takes a degree of time, mm. and it takes a lot of patience, and that means that the kind of heat is going to go away. But I also think there's a lot more wrestling fans around who are willing to support these indies yeah, as well as being ab- these absolutely. levels of indies. Mm. I think there's the demand from 
that fan base as well. But they still they discovered play- independent wrestling and they know that it's a good giggle. And it's a relic. We pay 12 quid. And this future shock as cheap as anything. Yeah, and you said oh. about progress not running, say, in uh, uh, Manchester as much, Benno. There's still a big scene up there. There's still demand for people to want to go. And I think if new, if sort of smaller level indies could put little spins on the stuff they're doing, like the show, we, the future shock show we went to this week had like a craft beer tie-in. Mm. I think doing little things like that, that's attractive. They're sort of understanding the demands of that audience, talk people going along as well. I think if there is that demand, there is that kind of, um, I don't know, that want to go and see live wrestling still. Mm-hmm. And I think, while that's there, these smaller indies, yeah, they'll survive, and I think they'll carry on like JP said. If you, I don't know if you guys would agree with this. It also feels as well what Britain thinks about wrestling has substantially changed throughout this boom. That might be one of the big key takeaway points. It is kind of, and I know we're probably not going to go into the whole sort of unionisation stuff today, but there are some important sort of changes of how wrestling is starting to be viewed. And I think the idea of, of going along to watch wrestling feels it feels more like going along to the theatre and anything else at any point. That it's it's that kind of desirable night out. Going to a gig. Going to a gig. It yeah. has that appeal now at that point. And I think that means that the really small gigs are always going to be there. In the same way that independent music is always going to kind of be there as well. But yeah, it, it, I don't know at this point if anyone... And the WWE influence has at this stage overall as a fan repeat as a fan i'm allowed to view it that way mm-hmm. um it's been bad yeah it's been really turns, fucking bad turns out jp you're 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 allowed to be happy that people are getting jobs and also yes. look at the wider effect of, of 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 kind of what it has on your enjoyment as a fan and as you know losing a defiance and loot and you know progress kind of going down the tubes and rev pro not being as good as it was in in creating new fans like us you can worry about all mm. those things but you know and also be happy that you know that the wrestlers do get jobs yeah. as well and you can also as you will always say jp read a fucking history book and you can uh, see yeah. what wwe <laughs> are doing with the whole i mean it's boy you cried wolf at this point with the vod restrictions but if they, yeah. they are going back to that you know, there's potential rumor of you know NXT UK is back down to 45 minutes now, and it's not an hour anymore. Maybe that maybe there's a TV show coming. Maybe that's the reason they're doing it. But still, you know, you can see you know there's a reason why they do things like this. And if you read, I wonder if that, book, you'll know it. I wonder if NXT UK will be on Thursday nights on BT Sport when the replay of AEW is on. <laughs> Just a coincidence. They planned it for years, years, <laughs> even well into the Sky deal. They had it planned. That's it. Thursday night on BT Sport. No one will watch that, because if you're watching BT, you're going to be watching Europa League that night. I will be watching Europa yeah. League that night. Is there a BT so Sport know, and, 4? Maybe put it on that. I know there's two. Well, they've, got three? Th- they've got three channels, yeah. and when they're... Uh, so, hold on. Who have we got in the Europa League next season? We've got Arsenal in the Europa League. Yeah, Wolves. Um, we've got Wolves in the Europa League. Yeah, and Man, Man they, Did you not? Yeah, you know, I did get Europa yeah. League, didn't they? Um, so, that's three sides. Mm. So, those Man, three sides... Gonna get yeah, but they, all those three games are going to be on one, two, and three at the same time. So mm. where the Maybe space after is, that, depending if AEW is on at ten. Well, they have a load, a, mm. a load of analysis after every game on BT, don't they? So yeah, maybe they'll fit it in at ten o'clock. But mm. nah, no one's going to watch that shite on a BT Sport. I've got BT Sport. I'm not going to watch it. No. Fuck that. Look that that lot, and we said it two years ago. They're a cancer, mm. and cancer sometimes fucking spreads and they've spread that cancer across the uk 
And at the end of the day, yeah, there are lots of factors that play a part in what's going on here. But it's that lot at the end of the day. It's not to say that these British independent companies have been perfect, but you're in there with like the worst of the carnivores who are just going to wants to eat up everything at every various point. It's whether or not are you going to do OK out of the deal enough to sort of go, yeah, I've done all right. I've paid off my house for whatever. Yeah. Then then at that stage, it's fine. And like you said about it before, I hate the I hate the idea of binary choices. You've mm. heard my views on Brexit before. It's fucking awful. It never understands the complications. The idea of it is like, oh, well, if WWE weren't this, you'd be you know, these guys wouldn't be making anything at all. It's like, no, some of them would be making hopefully a bit decent living in Japan and being able to work a bit more over there or, or for AEW at this point. But, you know, it, it, the idea that you you can say, yeah, it's good for the wrestlers. It's been good for the wrestlers in terms of making money. But as a fan, it's been bloody awful. Mm. We could end up theoretically in a situation where some of these companies we're talking about two years time could easily be dead. Easily be done. Either they've been bought up by them, or they're just not able to run at a cost anymore. And whose fault will it have been? The whole global localization stuff, as well, sort of reminds me of sort of Amazon, sort of in a way. Like Triple H is kind of like the Jeff Bezos, yeah, with his approach to the global localization and wanting to be um, have that sort of market share in sort of every place where what they do exists. Killed bookstores, then it killed the high street. Uh, Yeah, but look at the job creation, mate. Look at those really well-paid jobs where you're monitored with all the items that you collect an hour and you're not at a piss break during your... John Oliver did a bit on it. What, recently? He did a bit on that as well. Sorry, I always bring up John Oliver. Watch it. It's amazing. When did he do a bit on Amazon? Uh, About two weeks ago. I'll have a watch. Yeah, yeah, but it just sort of reminds me of that whole mindset and Mm. the legacy of what you want to achieve. And Triple H isn't getting Vince's job anytime soon, it seems. So he's almost creating his legacy as uh, whatever his role is, CEO. Yeah, yeah, in a different way at this point in time. And this is part of it. And you know what? I hope it fucking fails. And I hope NXT UK is gone sometime soon. It was a bit of a lull, and I hope maybe in five, ten years' time we get another boom period. Yeah, fingers crossed. And yeah, it's probably going to take that amount of time for us to figure out exactly what the effects are on all this on the Brit scenes in general. Yeah, exactly what even happens with NXT UK if it, if it ever is, is a thing. But uh, anything more on on all that stuff, or do you want to talk our, our big weekender? Let's get into the big weekender. All right, let's do it, JP. You came to Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite thing ever is on the on the Thursday when you arrived. Joe, you didn't come till the Friday. Uh, I was trying to track you down, JP, to meet you in town. Where were you, JP? <laughs> Where you saw me? Well, early I'd arrived in. I met Gareth in the in the Weatherspoons at Liverpool Lime Street. Surprisingly decent one. And three points from there, which was a, a worry at that stage because it was like half past four by that point. And then. Walking down there, Gareth... Tony Adams' form, that. It really was Tony Adams' form. It was a nice day, that was the problem. But as I was walking down, Gareth had to do a bit of work stuff. And I saw... I was was all very... All ready to go to Baltic Market to meet you and the the trendy hot spot, the hipster part of Liverpool. (laughs) But I had to pop into this cavernous Irish pub just for a cheeky pint and basically watch uh, some of the ashes, which at that point was day two, so it was some good shit going on. Yeah, Rory Burns did it a ton. It was, yeah, 
<laughs> it was just great. You're like, I was like, where are you, JP? Yeah, I've nipped into an Irish pub to watch a bit of the Ashes. Like, if that's not JP in Liverpool, I mean, how did it? I'm on brand. <laughs> you hated the Irish pub in Blackpool, JP. How did this one uh, fit for you? This is the Irish pub in the uh, the Baltic market. It was better than that one. That was just like an Irish nightmare. That was that was just like hellish. Um, that what it was like being stuck in Mrs. Brown's Boys or something like that one in Blackpool. <laughs> but this this one was it was and you'd said to me it was okay. It was just sort of empty, and yeah. it's enormous. There's yeah. like these three like enormous rooms going back. Big it served a decent. Well. It served a decent pint of Guinness, and you know for the. Half an hour I was in there, the ashes was pretty good. I'd slowed down by that point. And then I met you for uh, for uh, and uh, a lot of our friends for uh, TNT. Was it TNT Extreme Wrestling? Is that the name of it? That's it, yeah. So we went from uh, Punch Tommies that you just gave a, gr- a sizzling review to, JP, to the, the Baltic Didn't Social. We had, a, we, had a, we had a few beers with uh, with the lads from Grapple, uh, Gareth and Dave, and we uh, we kind yes. of had a, had a great little time with my mate Matty, Gary, Crewy. We kind of uh, went to the we went to the uh, the Peaky Blinders bar as well. Don't know what you made of that, JP. Um, oh. obviously we had some Do you not have your hat on? I didn't that way. It's too hot, isn't it? I can't be wearing that hat at the minute. No, not uh, on brand enough. I'm not, well, not at this, but I'm not, I don't want to like pass out. <laughs> I've, had, I've seen ghettos got them that look like they're quite quite nice and light. I maybe should get one of those. Give him a DM. <laughs> I called him a cracking booker before, so maybe you'll reply back. Uh, it, it just it reminds me of it's the kind of place that yeah. like it is stag do central everyone comes into liverpool and now dressed up as peaky blinders characters and goes on the stag do there it's not the uh unfortunately you didn't see the best of liverpool to be honest as far as bars go on thursday jp because we the tnt after party as well that we somehow wound up in um was in par street studios which is like one of the uh the, it's a famous studio in liverpool i believe uh i think oasis have recorded there all kinds of bands have recorded there even the spice girls i think uh, have recorded their boys they've got, like a, they've got like a plaque on the wall of all the different bands that have recorded there and then me and JP are sat there with uh, with Matty Crewy and uh, Gary and Gareth uh, and we're there sat there watching some old TNA on the big screens in there how that place has fallen mate I was jealous already about missing <laughs> this night and now you just revealed those details which you didn't tell me over the weekend <laughs> the Spice Girls like I'm well jealous <laughs> It's bullet- I the, didn't realise that at the time. The bit where I we just thought it's a, it's a... We're actually sitting in the old recording booth. Uh, I'll have to bring up the real list of uh, who's recorded there in Pastridge Studios, what, but yeah. Watching um, watching TNA with a small break for Glacier versus Lash LaRue from sort of, was it 99 WCW? They had the weirdest playlist. This was like it was like a, it was supposed to be an after party, but the only wrestlers I saw there were the Kings of the North. I think JP, yeah. you probably the, the, the third most famous person there. Um, but in the meantime, they kind of had, <laughs> they just had TNA on loop. What match was it? They kept it was uh, Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe that just never ever yeah. ended, went over and over and over again. They, Mate, every I time... was in the fucking Matrix while it was going on. Was like, every was time like, it Jesus, restarted. What are they going... Was it like the fucking Iron Man match or something that lasted like 60 minutes? Gee, it just never ended. <laughs> so either the video had restarted, it's just like, why is this match still going on? Yeah. And it was, yeah. You should have asked if they had that Kevin Nash-Jeff Jarrett match from 2005 <laughs> that you claim was I'm on great. It. Well, I want to say a public thank you to Matty Edwards who sent me his link for some free uh, um, Impact Plus in the near future. So I'll be going through the Kevin Nash archives. (laughs) If I can find some time, possibly on the way to or from work this week. 
we got that might fill a nice bus right we got to see some uh, Jerry Lynn v. Rob Van Dam, you know, from a uh, Jerry Lynn in his full body suit. I didn't even know they had a match yeah. in TNA. We got to see some of that as well, JP, when they when they finally did switch the match, and I stopped thinking we were just watching a uh, endless rematches of uh, of Joe and Jeff Hardy. That was, to be honest, I'm doing it down, but that was probably the highlight of the quote unquote after party. Uh, apart from, yeah. uh, I'm just looking at the the list now of the the list of artists who've played who've uh, recorded in Park Street Studios. Joe uh, Everton Football Club uh, among them, Bjork, Black Sabbath. Uh, Jeez. Who else is there? <laughs> the Clint Boone experience? I don't know what that is. Formula One? I wonder what that is. Uh, John Butler. Would Everton have done their 95 FA Cup song or something? Probably like do, because Liverpool are on the list as well. Obviously, the Lightning Seeds on there. Uh, New Order. Do you reckon Jeff Jarrett played there at any point? <laughs> I can't. Be I can my see, baby tonight. I can see Roy Chubby Brown, but I can't see Jeff Jarrett, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. There you go. I JP. don't know if they want to be publicising that as much. Should we do a live Jeff. podcast there one day so we can get added Davidson. to the list? We can do, oh, uh, hey, I'm well up for that. Oh, that oh. I'd love to know that I was in the same recording studio as Liverpool's own greatest backing vocalist of all time, Melanie C. That'd be a great <laughs> pleasure. There you go. It'd be a big Sport win. Just came into my head. Can you imagine Jeff Jarrett doing Br- Baby When You're Gone in the Brian Adams role with <laughs> Mel C? That's something I want to see. Who would play Mel C, though? Mel C and Jeff Jeff. <laughs> you know what? You can I've probably get it. I've been around those busy streets trying to find somewhere to go. That was my best Jeff Jarrett singing impression. Right, well, I'll if we stop. Do, if we do the live podcast, you're, rec- you're performing that and you're eating a roast dinner live on stage. Oh, yeah. two things that are <laughs> you can get Mel C and I'll do it. <laughs> Deal. Uh, but yeah, the after party was fun, wasn't it, JP? But, but yes, you know, the show itself shouldn't get lost in the conversation. No, yeah, we uh, haven't mentioned it at all. Have we, we? we we had a good time. Uh, the, the after the after party, we'll we'll maybe talk about later. But yeah, as far as yeah. shows go, this is your first time uh, coming to see TNT hmm. Extreme Wrestling in Liverpool. I mean, I. I'm a bit of a veteran of their shows now by, not even really by choice, it's just the fact that they're my local promotion. Uh, I've I've maybe slated them a couple of times in this podcast as being a little bit directionless, or being a bit crazy house wrestling full of bearded dudes in black t-shirts and no real identity unless you count mid-90s ECW cosplayers and identity. Uh, they, I wouldn't say they completely, you know, cleared my thoughts on that, uh, but it was definitely a better show than I've been to, a more varied show that I've ever been to from TNT and it had one of the, the better matches, probably the best match I've seen in TNT and Jody Fleisch and Pac. Uh, maybe yeah. the, in a little way the house show version of that match maybe if it was somewhere else they might have gone up another gear but really enjoyed that and overall I thought it was a, a, a good night of wrestling JP oh, It was good fun, I mean I, I, no one's going to get analysis from me because we were hitting it pretty hard at this stage <laughs> It's those as cans well. of hooch JP Oh it's just Bastard Gary Mason, Dean Joe, Bloody Joe, every time. I No beer, they got hooch, really. Is yeah. that the case? They, well, they had beer, Hula but it was hooch. basically, it was Foster's, so Joe, they basically had no beer. I'm sure you would have agreed as well. I'd have stopped drinking at that point. You, yeah, yeah. They, it, it made up, you know, trust me, you got all the good beer action pretty much. That, One that of the weekend. best weekends of beer I've ever had. Yeah. Really what? We get to go in depth on that as well but as a because it was the opener it was like okay this is really hot really good Mm. like you say it wasn't as i think i had an expectation that he was going to be a bit more kind of like the ec up ecw cosplay stuff Mm. and there is that like you say there's that little bit about it and the kind of match order was a bit wild as well because Mm. they had that really good jody flash pack match and i'm just gonna say it again as well more jody flash please oh like he's 
get him in. Yeah. I can't think of a promotion yeah. where he sh- in Britain where he shouldn't be there. He's, he's he's still young enough as well. He's still in his late thirties. I mean, JJ, yeah. we got to see in real life him get to do the run up moonsault on a wall. I mean, yep. I kind of had to watch it through the back of somebody's head, but I was there live and I got to see it, so I was happy in person. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, there was one little botch there when he tried to do a springboard. Towards, I think he was going for for the seven thirty, and Pack ended up counting it. But we'll let that go. Other than that, he kind of he kept up yeah. with Pack. Uh, Pack actually did a lot of flying in the match as well for his part that you don't always see from him. But yeah, it was the yes. match you wanted to be. And for Jody, yeah, it was the performance you wanted to be. I'd love to see him in more places. Um, he's got a little bit of a rep for cancelling bookings and uh, and getting off early, but I'd love to see him in a, in any promotion, really. I'm not, I've, I've always been a big Jody Flies fan. As many places as possible, like him and, and, him and jo- Johnny Storm as a tag team. Mm. That's one of, you know... But in terms of the actual talent they had on this show, it was like some really good like talent throughout the card in mm. general. And they were able to do, because obviously they wanted to do the sort of big tag team match as well. And I thought the way they replaced that by getting in Sam Bailey and Sonna Durson, and it had that kind of Liverpool-Manchester heat to it as well, mm. which kind of picked everyone, oh. everything up. You got to see Zach that Gibson was, as a babyface, JP. Mate, that's weird. It's weird, <laughs> but yeah, it's good. Yeah, seen him tw- saw him twice this weekend and being the sort of polar opposites of each other. But mm. that kind of local heat as well, it's so easy to draw upon mm. and it's perfect for sort of Liverpool and Manchester being so relatively close to each other. And they played on it and, that, and I, for me, that that was really good. I thought the the women's... I'm going through all the matches now. Um, but yeah, the only match I can't comment on at all before I mentioned any of the other ones, was the death match, which I watched absolutely none of. <laughs> you went for a smoke. Ricky Shane Page came yeah. out, who I got a fantastic photo with, me and Matty, uh, for his yeah. match with Mikey Whiplash, and I've never seen you run away so quick. You disappeared for a smoke. No part of it. And I didn't see you again until the match was finished. Uh, I don't smoke, but I'd have joined you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I re- you know what? I thought, as far as live death matches I've seen, it was up there. I really enjoyed it. They did the bamboo in the head spots, and there's a barbed wire boards in there. Big juice from Ricky Shane Page. Mikey Mike <laughs> Whiplash was the other guy in the match. Uh, but all that, I really enjoyed that. I quite, I've got, although I know he's shit, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Ricky Shane Page. You haven't, though, JP. I haven't. I think at this stage, I might have been messaging my sister talking transfer gossip. <laughs> at this point as well you'll never be the deathmatch correspondent uh, no. for for grapple spotlight were you not I thought that was a role you had he's given it up okay so that I'll one got over it. to you better yeah I think okay. that's you'll me take now. it on I can stomach you'll, it you no. can go to Delaware <laughs> Well, I think get the Patreon up. TNT kind of have this deathmatch division. There was a four-way last show with uh, Jimmy Havoc was in there and what's his name? The uh, the Scottish bloke and uh, the one who the one who's into his BDSM. What's his name? Jack Jester. Jack Jester. Yeah, he was in there. And Drew, uh, Drew Parker as Too well. Too quick on the answer there. Sorry. <laughs> I think if you're going to do an extreme promotion because that is in the name, you've kind of got to do it. Um, I don't, don't mind. Uh, I think this is this is as you know, Ricky Shane Page. As much as we'll give him shit, as far as doing that style, you know, he, he's he's definitely more than competent. Um, it's n- it's not for me. Oh. It's as simple as that. You didn't get a photo with him, JP. I was hoping you get a selfie with him, like I did. I wouldn't have been. I'd have been feeling like puking if he like bleeding onto me from that head. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get near him. I find it it'll ruin it'll ruin my Willie Mac T-shirt as well, and I'm, I'm not having that. Imagine he's I'm. 
Annoying oh. bastard, that bloke. I wouldn't have gone near it. <laughs> Imagine having to clean up the venue afterwards. They must be like, why, why are the puddles of blood everywhere across the floor? Oh, yeah, because Ricky Jane Page was wandering around. To be honest, though, JP, that would be the worst thing because, like, they had the, uh, during that pack match when they were in the crowd, the promoter seemed to be getting pretty nervous they were going to take the venue from them um, as they brawled through the crowd. I don't know if he was uh, trying Ooh. to work us or what, but. Yeah, Hangar 34, the venue the Tetsujin ran in. It's the first time TNT have ran there, actually. It is a it was a better venue for this, wasn't it, than the uh, the grapple style and the Tetsujin, uh, where we spent most of our review talking about the toilets because we couldn't see shit. Um, a good yeah. thing for TNT, because hopefully they don't, they don't lose the... Uh, I'm sure they won't. I'm sure they knew what they were in for over these little things. But, no, I enjoyed the match. I mean, did you have any other highlights, JP? Were you glad to see your boy Scotty Davis? I, I was actually that that was like a pleasantly fun I mean there's a lot more they could do with it but the fact that they um that you didn't know who was going to be in there with uh ELP and they yeah. had uh Michael Oka and Scotty Davis come out and have a three-way mm. which in, in was replacement for Flip was, Gordon yeah that was his replacement for Flip Gordon which was it was what about 10 minutes it was really good Phantasmo kind of carries him we were oh saying this God. at the time he carries himself like a proper if star you, if you had this match two years ago JP or a year say a year ago even like, El Fantasma would have been, like Scotty and, uh, and Michael Oku, just, you know, another guy in this match, whereas instead we kind of got him in there as, like, the star of the match. He was so clearly, like, another level. As much I like Scotty Davis and I really like Michael Oku, but he was a couple of levels above as far as star power and as far as carrying himself as a star and as far as being the focus of the match, both in his, his heel promo before it and during the match. I thought he was absolutely great in this thing. Oh, he was. He was really. It was. It was really. He was really good, and it was. It was kind of like you say, like the sort of house show version of what this match would mean in in other places. But it was. It was really good to see. I, I enjoyed that. The I thought that the the six um, the women's trios match mm. was really good fun, just because it was a wild brawl that happened in front of us and. Dave, um, Dave from Grapple. Mm. He was there. He was having a nice pint. We're having a conversation. All of a sudden, all six of them just burst through the doors, brawling, and just took him out entirely. <laughs> That's a highlight, poor Dave, of uh, of opposing the uh, developer for Grapple. Uh, yeah, yes. uh, he, he took a bit of a spill, didn't he? Um, he, he? He did. He took he took a fair old spill on that one. Um, <laughs> but I thought it, it was good fun, and it was you know I didn't understand the angle or really what happened but i thought it was just like a kind of a wild brawl mm. and like you say about the sort of match order it was the one that followed the jody flies pack but it was also just before the mikey whiplash Rick, ricky shane page mm. um i suppose i know it's gonna say the one disappointment i had was the was actually the main event yeah i mean i i heard all you guys saying that i moved a little bit closer so i don't know if it's just just me uh i enjoyed Plus, it yeah um uh, you know vicky haskins was great in a role uh, <laughs> i'll always say that i enjoyed it a lot i thought uh, the finish was terrible. Like you don't want it. Maybe that sullies no matter yeah, what you do. Now. It did. It was it was Mark Haskins and David Starr for the TNT title, and there were lots of shenanigans, lots of ha- Vicky Haskins interference, lots of kind of near falls, and ba- it was very Attitude Era overbook main event, which for me kind of fits this daft TNT Extreme Wrestling style, so I can take it. But yeah, the finish shape wasn't it like Vicky was going to hit David Starr over the head with a with a bat while Haskins had him in the sharpshooter, so the ref kind of took sympathy on David Starr and called a DQ. I mean, I've heard the creative finishes, but that was, yeah, that was a bit tough to take after a night of varied but overall good wrestling. Yeah, and to be honest with you, it's not like 
I suppose I was invested necessarily in the stakes of the match. Mm. So it was like for me, yeah, the, the the ending was a was a disappointment. But I mean, God, it was a it was a perfectly good fun night out, fun mm. night of wrestling. Um, yeah, if you like your death match as well, they got a bit of that, but that's not for me. Uh, but yeah, we had a good time. Went to the after party. Yep. Uh, went to the after after party. Had a good chat with your <laughs> mate Dave JP. I don't know much we can say on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't think about... we can say anything on this one. But it, yeah, yeah, had a good chat about his dogs with him, didn't you, JP? Um, J... His cats. <laughs> his cats. Sorry, sorry. What, so what are other names, JP? And um, and how the Republican and how the Democratic debates went. <laughs> Bigger uh... One of them's called Marvel. That's uh... all I know. <laughs> Yeah, David Starr has now replaced Jonathan Gresham and Matt Riddle on JP's list, uh, Joe. Um, you should have seen him and he was in top four. I've seen it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's not a lot that I've not seen him do, to be honest. <laughs> I get this every day, mate. You get it once every now and then. Oh, Don't worry. It's always the truth. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, Joe, you jo- after that Friday night, uh, JP, you sl- slept off your hangover in my house while I went to work like a fucking idiot. Uh, got home about four, didn't we? Something like that. That was a that was a mistake. Uh, Too but, much, yeah, yeah. But next day, Joe arrived uh, fr- Friday night, and uh, Joe, you arrived from Scotland. We went to Lucha Libre in Liverpool. Had some gr- some solid Mexican food. Went to Ship and Mitre. You got to see some County Road. Mm. Good night. Yeah, what a pub the Ship and Mitre was as well. That's mm. that's uh, now my favourite pub in the world. I would say what a, what a pub. Good good few pints of vice beer, excellent selection in there. Great atmosphere as well. Like if if we're coming back to Liverpool at any point, we're going to the Ship and Mitre. That's all I'll say to that. The Ship and Mitre, the home of Joe's Beer Corner. I think it's only fair. Uh, I think that's the that's that's the spiritual certainly the the spiritual home of Joe's Beer Corner. Yeah, I that. think that's one Joe's Beer Corner forever. Oh. <laughs> that's Joe's Beer Heaven. Yeah. I, I, said, yeah. I said that yeah. on the Graps and Claps podcast that uh, we all appeared on uh, this weekend, but yeah, for me, it was it was the place I fell in love with kind of uh, foreign beer and craft beer. And, you know, it was the first place among a shitty bunch of pubs in Liverpool City Centre 15 years ago where it was just pure Carling and Fosters everywhere that I went to. And I was like, oh, what's this German stuff? And it's still going now and it's still the best. So, yeah, you know, advertised for the show. Uh, what's, uh, what's Andy Ogden's pub of the year? The Crown and Kettle? I feel like the grapple spotlight pub of the year is the ship and mitre, so uh, we'll uh, yeah. throw a recommendation in for there if anyone ever comes to Liverpool. But speaking of Andy Ogden, we picked him up the morning after. We had a, a quick breakfast in uh, in Weatherspoons, JP. Um, fry up. Joe didn't partake, unfortunately. Uh, but we grabbed Andy Ogden. We grabbed Grapple Gareth. Uh, and we headed towards Prenton Park. And we, we did it, guys. We did the ferry across the Mersey. Joe, was it everything you were hoping for? I'd been in it in 1996, remember, mate? <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was it was much busier than who I remembered in 1996. I remember it was pretty empty back then. And I remember him playing the entirety of Ferry Across the Mersey mm. when we were on the uh, ferry. But this time they played it They played it a couple of times, didn't they? Mm, yeah. Um, but they played like the start of it a couple of times as people got on. But... I had a crack inside. Nice little time on a boat, looking out at looking out at Liverpool, looking out at Birkenhead, looking out at the docks. Mm. I think JP thoroughly enjoyed his time on the uh, ferry across the Mersey as well, didn't you? It was all right, but they didn't play the song enough. Mm. That was one of the 
things that really like I, I think I've been led to really believe hoping for, wasn't it? instead you get like touristy announcements of uh, to your right is you know the liver building and things like that you don't get yeah it, it's it, it's funny the difference because if you take the ferry across the Mersey on like a weekday it's uh, it's very much a commuter boat for people across mm. on the Wirral so it just goes back and forth and as people in miserable silence kind of wait for their impending doom and then on a weekend it becomes a bit of a tourist boat uh, hence the jumping price and yet the uh, the Tannoy announcements uh, but yeah for me they should just play that song on loop all the way through to the point where it'd be driving you mad like <laughs> So you, that's yes, what I remember from when I was a nine-year-old. I think we must have got on it on a weekday as well, and it was like in the middle of a day on a weekday. I remember just yeah. playing it on a loop. From what I remember, yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, we we did that. I'm glad to say we ticked it off the list. It was a bit yeah. of a walk to uh, to prep path from there up the the world's biggest hill. Uh, I don't know what you oh. guys thought of the Wirral, um, but I can't imagine you'll be you'll be hoping to head back there anytime soon. I honestly thought we'd find the pub on the way. We found a, a shitty one. Was it called the Beehive? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was very much a match day pub, wasn't it? Um, but they were right. They told us what the quickest way to get to the ground was. There you go. Yeah, we, we got yeah. there. And the the ground, you know, we is a it's a it's now a. As far as uh, you know, Tramia go, it's a it's a League One ground, but I was kind of at home because it felt very Goodison, uh, which is kind of embarrassing to say. Uh, but I don't think the Goodison uh, Goodison is uh, much ahead. In far looks as, old, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as the quality stakes go, uh, hopefully our new ground will uh, will get that sooner rather than later. But yeah, we headed into Prenton Park with Andy Ogden, who we made sit in the home end with us. Uh, to watch uh, Marina Gates' beloved Rochdale and as at the top of the show for an idea that literally was just because well Jeff Jarrett went to uh, to Tramia so we should go to Tramia as well uh, it turned into like one of the highlights of the weekend I would say what a fucking match that was uh, yeah it was an excellent match it's just ridiculous isn't it that getting Jeff Jarrett to do some weird PR for Tramia <laughs> Ended up with four people. Yeah. Uh, Andy might have gone sat in the away end, but four others who would never have otherwise because they're going to a Tranmere match. Mm. Heading along to Tranmere as part of an elaborate in joke. <laughs> and we all had a crack inside. <laughs> yeah, absolutely oh. great. I want to do it again. <laughs> I'd be up for doing it again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a really tight, like you say, it's a really tidy little ground as Good well. Good atmosphere as Good well. Good atmosphere. Mm. It's got like eight and a half thousand there. I was like really surprised. I mean, it was a bit of a cavernous stand, the one we were in. It was quite quite high up but it was like it was only yeah. the only place we'd get a seat wasn't it we were in the car uh, we had to go all the way to yeah. the back uh, just to, it's over you were telling there. me to look at all the angry scallies down below you hang saying. on scousers <laughs> all right oh, okay <laughs> oh, you, oh right you mean the ones downstairs who got arrested okay I'll let you have it with yeah, that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, the yeah. One, yeah. <laughs> apologies to Lee McAteer that's not a uh, a representation oh, no, of the fine Tramia folk but there was there was some uh, some trouble downstairs wasn't that and in the match itself yeah, there were, well, there was. I mean, I'll say this about Rochdale's keeper. He's good box office. <laughs> oh, he's going to be good value. He is. Yeah. He's, he reminds me of Boubacar Barry. Do you know who he is? He used to be the Ivory Coast keeper. He was an absolute clown, he was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a bit of Jorelio Gomez about him, possibly, as well. But yeah. Yeah, Manuel Almunia. Mm. Uh, different, different, yeah. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it was, um, there was, I have to say as well, some of the stuff Rochdale were playing in that game. Joe talked about it earlier on. Two of the Rochdale goals were absolute fucking belters. One of them was like Figo's goal at the Bernabeu against Man United in like what, mm. 2000 and what, 2000, 2001 maybe? Mm. Bobby and Bartes was in goal. I remember. Mm. Ridiculous goal. Just lofted nicely at a tight angle, edge of the box. 
over the keeper's head. And then one was like a 15 pass move or something they finished yeah. up on it. Mm. Yeah. Meant that one I missed. I ended up having to see the next day on Quest or whatever. So I was going up those steps. And by God, I wasn't going to like turn around. Because if you fell down those, you'd, you'd know about it. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with these old grounds. But yeah, it was like. Yeah. It was genuinely a good match. Like I'm, you know, for me, yeah. I, I was kind of just going. Tammy scored and... two in the last three minutes, oh, was it? That's it. Got, got, a, got a sending off. We got a bit of a fight. Uh, like, Andy was right on the edge of his chair as well. But I was happy for him that we one we got to see the drama and the near falls. It was like a big high spot yeah. match. But two, you know, the right result happened and uh, and uh, Andy Ogden went home happy with us. Uh, so it all worked out. It was a well booked match. It was. It was. It really was. It was like. <laughs> I don't know, we talk a lot about Riptide using their parts really well. It felt that Rochdale and Tranmere managed to do that and had some good chemistry considering mm-hmm. it would have been a first time not having met for a long time. Yeah. But like a good G1 match. <laughs> yeah, like the the undercard uh, act coming up from League 2 to League 1. Yeah. It gets trampled on for the entire match, gets a few good little near falls in there at yeah. the end, goes close. Match. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're going to get there next time, possibly. Watch out for Tram near Rochdale. Hint a heel turn with the referee and the sending off. You know, he had, he had kind of everything. Mm. Solid four stars on Grapple, I'd say. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. We we headed back to Liverpool, went to the Ship of Mitre again, and then headed back to Garrett's. And uh, lads, we watched London Rampage. I mean, there was a review of this. Uh, graps, grapples and Clapples on, uh, on the Graps and Claps feed. Uh, disappeared, though, mysteriously within 24 hours because basically it was 45 minutes of us pissed and rambling about the first 20 minutes of the film. Uh, yeah, it's probably for, probably for the best that thing's lost. Um, yeah. But yeah, London Rampage. JP, you set us up for it. You told us what it was last week. And then, honestly, it was probably 10 times worse than you could ever have described to us. <laughs> was it really because I didn't want to say a thing about I just stopped it was the opening credits or this sort of pre-credits montage sequence with of Greg Burridge with Greg Burridge fight it's like they went through what appeared to be a good hour of plot in about two and a half minutes mm. explaining about this estate well by estate I mean the few flats around the back of the resistance gallery in the Dundee Arms. <laughs> it really was. It was just like it if, was. If anyone hasn't, isn't aware of it or did listen to us last week, London Rampage is a Greg Burridge directed film, and every piece of a, a Greg Burridge directed film features Jimmy Havoc, Will Ospreay, Paul Robinson, the OK half of the yep. London Riots, uh, Tiny Iron, Valhalla, Rob Lynch, and yeah, the oh, fuck, tiny I Rob Lynch was in it. Oh, he was. <laughs> he was one of the. Uh, the tough tough guys in the one of the gang to be honest I think everyone there was in the multiple film was... <laughs> big blokes stood there around during this one there was that gandhi looking fella as well wasn't there at one point oh. he said it looked like ben, ben kingsley with uh jean reno's glasses in leon yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah if it sounds like we're all over the place with this if the film's all there's not there's not really a story to break down is there? there's not really it's just the film is a series of really bad th- scenes with really bad music with occasionally okay but mainly really bad action fights with basically wrestler matches with Osprey and Robinson doing the uh, the Essex or what, what's the um oh the Robinson special I think that appears in the film yep. a couple of times Osprey came off the top with a I think a six thirty at one point uh, they actually had the fight in a in a wrestling ring in the film it was 
Yeah. Yeah, the Resistance Gallery, which does, I think, forms the bar at one point as well oh, during the film. Is that where I mean, that was? My God. I feel like, I mean, this sounds really bad because it, making a film is an incredibly tough thing. To actually achieve making a film is, in and of itself, really difficult. You would think if you put in all the planning and the preparation and everything else that goes behind that and having to get the financing can be really tough and distribution. I did say to Joe during this, as like, given our jobs, it's like, would you give this a merit if you if you were marking this? No. No. <laughs> no. There were times, and this is being incredibly critical, where you need someone who knows something about how to compose a shot, mm. get lighting yeah. correct, and sounds. There were sound oh, the lighting issues. was awful. They didn't use, they didn't use, they use lighting. It just seemed like they turned up on the set and just shot with that thinking about what they positioned lights and why they were putting them in certain places for certain reasons. Yeah, there was no thought as to that. Some of the framing was all over the place. I don't think the rule of thirds was something that uh, had occurred to at any point either. And on top of that, the acting was (laughs) beyond shocking. It's the (laughs) second worst film I've ever seen. It's on my one star list. What's it beyond? Kill a bitch. Ah, fair enough. <laughs> I still need to see Kill a uh, bitch. No, ever. Well, that, that's the question with this, though, isn't it? It's like we had different people ask us over the weekend. I think mine and your answer is different, Joe, because you say people shouldn't see uh, London Rampage. I feel like people should see it for how bad it is, but you need to be I, really pissed. You do. I on like when I said, oh, I've been trying to see if this was on anywhere, and um, friend of the show, Chris Wilson, was like, "Ah, good one. It's on Amazon Prime." And it's like. Right, well, I really am going to have to see this now. <laughs> I didn't know it was on Amazon Prime. So if you've got Am- Amazon Prime, it's on there. Mm. It's an hour 35 minutes. I would just say it's before, yeah, you want to have a, some kind of a session, whatever your, whatever your voice is beforehand. You want to watch it in a group of people. Do yes. not watch it alone. This you can be... understand why I didn't want to watch this, by the uh, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, we got through it because we were in a good group, having a good laugh, yeah. just taking the piss out of it, basically. But like I said on Andy's deleted podcast, <laughs> it, was a, it was an insult to Grapple Towers and an insult to the television of Grapple Towers that this was screened on it. It was beyond. <laughs> I think I said to, I, I said to, uh, said to Gareth um, that I felt bad that the photos of his family had to see that film on the TV <laughs> and that we should have perhaps turned them down. <laughs> then you apologised to his two children. Who weren't there, just the photos. I like, sorry, feel bad. Yeah, that was uh, pretty good. Jimmy Abbott as well in like motocross gear or something. That's what he's called, motocross, his character on the credits. He looked like he was in like Mad Max or something, <laughs> like a shit version, like a Mad Max film or something. <laughs> He did. It was a better look than regular Jimmy Havoc, though. I've got to be honest. Like, you know, if you wore that look in AEW, you might get over. I, uh, you reckon? <laughs> Probably not. I think it. Might, yes. <laughs> Thinking back on it now, was there a shot? Was that when that fight scene's going on? Is there a point where there's just some people stood in the background taking some photos on their phone? I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah, that yeah, yeah. In that the, was a in thing. that like um, right. alleyway bit. Yeah, yeah. You can just see some women yeah. stood there taking pictures of it sort of happening also the film just become blood sport halfway through without any indication blood sports a considerably better film than this oh, wow. and you're not a fan of blood sport no i'm not not a fan of blood sport blood sport is a bad film but i'm a fan of it like i think it's a bad film but i'm a fan of it compared to this though it's this was just 
pure shit. My students make such better films than this. I'm in some of the student films. I'm a better actor (laughs) than most of the people in this. Young Will Ospreay, you're better than the young Will Ospreay? Paul Robinson with I'm her. not as talented as him, but I'd hasten to say mm, I'm pretty bad. Like I'd go, to, go as far as to say I'm awful, but these give an whole new meaning to awful. That lead female role, oh my god, it's like subpar Eastender shit. That was like they, they could have tried to cast like someone who's not getting any work from a soap opera. At least they would have had a few quid, knock around London for a bit. What about one of the old Slater sisters or something? I'm sure Lynn's probably still somewhere <laughs> looking for work. Little Mo, maybe, while they're at it. But this was, ah, so bad. So bad. Well, I'd like to say it got better from there, but we then decided to put Triple Mania on. Uh, (laughs) We actually, there was a point, wasn't there, the night where we thought Triple Mania had started, so we tried to put the stream on. Worked out there was half an hour left, so we finished the last half hour of London Rampage. The things we do for our listeners. Uh, But yeah, once Triple Mania started, I mean, this was the the whole plot of the weekend was for you guys to come up and watch Triple Mania. I don't think we realised it didn't start till two, and then I don't think we also realised that there was going to be the world's longest battle royal uh, on the show, and before we knew it, it was getting towards, what, four or five, and there was still like four matches to go. We didn't yeah. make it, guys. We had to watch the rest of the morning. Um, yeah, I had a fun time watching it with you guys, with uh, with Matty and uh, and Andy and Gareth. But yeah, uh, not not a great show. Uh, all in all, maybe a couple of highlights that we we managed to finally see the the morning after. Yeah, yeah. There's a, it. It will be filling up a fair whack of botcher mania, I'd imagine, <laughs> the next time it, it comes out. And no vampire either. Because that was another main point. We, we wanted to watch it because we wanted shitty Vampiro commentary. And instead, we got yeah. a shitty Vampiro angle and Matt Stryker just talking up a storm all night, offering people fights I, in the airport. Uh, we did all crazy. enjoy that bit with Conan in mm. the battle. Oh, that, that might have been my favourite bit of the show when Conan just comes strolling We're, out. Wearing a Trump t a very weird, like, yeah. hand-drawn Trump T-shirt. That was strange. That was very, very odd. Mm. And then Vampiro came out. And then I think, did Conan just sort of, he just sort of, no, Vampiro just left, didn't mm. he? Yeah, he just walked out. Conan just, was like hanging out on the like ropes, buddy. He was just sat on the top turnbuckle. Chilling out. Yeah. Just waiting for the angle to happen. He should have lit a cigar while he was really, at it. Really. <laughs> that would have definitely fit his character. I kind of was more intrigued to see what you two would sort of make of, I suppose, the AAA experience for what mm. it is. Um, you were filling us in it's... with the backstory of all the wrestlers, JP, letting us know all about the uh, the big stars there. You know, I uh, wouldn't go that far. Vikingo there was a few more. You one. were, was I? You knew way more. I knew you'd watched this shite. You knew <laughs> way more than I thought you were going to know about like the background and stuff. Like, I didn't have any idea. It was, it was like you would look into educate us. You're going to outsource some of your correspondence work in the future. <laughs> Chain admin. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're on not your own. Fight, lads. After this, no? no, I will not be watching any more AAA ever if I can help it. It's just really, a, it is a. T- we know, you know what it the is. The Kane Velasquez matches you'll watch. Yeah, he's, he's wearing I've a mask, so now. it doesn't really. You watch watching Kane Velasquez, but you have to be reminded it's him. Like I think the masks are really yeah kind of bad oh. idea. Like I think I can't remember it was one of you guys who said that. Like that's an idea he's came up with, and no one shut him down. Like I've just. 
Yeah, if you've got a big star on your show, you want to expose that, don't you? And the way bright spots through the night, like I, I really like seeing uh, Vikingo in there, uh, Mojito del Vikingo. He was, he was a highlight uh, of the first half of the show. Mm-hmm. Archangel Davido, someone I really like, although he didn't look great uh, in the dark match. There were spots, there were, there were spots there that I enjoyed, and you know, even in the women's match, there's a couple of daft spots in there that i watched the morning after because that was it was that women's match that kind of after the battle royal kind of killed us all off as far as watching the show but i think it is it's just mm. that structure of uh of triple a multi-mans that's just not for us is it joe just it's just it, it just it does most of the matches do feel messy um and i think most triple a fans would, would admit that um and you've got yeah. to kind of you've got to take your your bright spots uh, as and when they come they just felt that like there was no layout to the matches, and like yeah. these six. That's pretty much AAA. Go like super long and don't yeah. really achieve anything. Like mm. there's no like, there's not. You think of a New Japan six man mm-hmm. on an undercard, right? Mm. And it usually achieves something or develops something. There's a purpose, or it, it develops several storylines a lot of the time. Whereas this was just stuff happening for twenty minutes. And then there was a finish that just came out of nowhere a lot of the time. And yeah, Kane Velasquez had some nice like highlight reel moments mm. in those matches. In that stuff was very gifable. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And it was it was it was quite cool seeing him do what he could do. But it also felt like the completely wrong approach for Kane Velasquez as well. It felt like if you were using him in like say an AEW, this isn't what you should be doing. You should be trying to make sure that you know it's Cain Velasquez. You might know that he's the man that beat Brock Lesnar to win the UFC World Heavyweight Championship. It, yeah, it was, it was a ridiculous show that I've, I'm not going to come out of any great memories, to be honest, other than the fact that we watched it in Grapple's House. Isn't that a great weekend? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. I, th- I think the, the main matches were probably with that, you know, Cain Velasquez teaming with Cody Rhodes and Psycho Clown. That was kind of cool to see as a as a team. There was some kind of weird angle afterwards, but Psycho Clown's mask getting ripped off that I didn't really pick up that kind of took away from the moment. But That, that was, kind of shit happens a lot in AAA. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, they kind of went back to celebrating afterwards. Yeah, the uh, USA JP, that's, that's the norm. I mean, later, Kid Pentagon and Phoenix against Kenny Omega in the books felt notable, you know, at least as far as, you know, guys we're generally familiar with. I thought it was yeah. notable that Kenny Omega seemed relatively over. The books still do seem to come out to crickets to me and the spots don't seem to particularly work. Uh, I didn't think that the match uh, on AEW was particularly good, and this was, you know, solid, um, but probably, you know, not much better. Maybe as good as it was going to be under the circumstances. Uh, I gave it 3.25 on Grapple. Uh, that is a worthwhile note. Uh, Triple Media is on Grapple for you to race. Uh, I gave the game <laughs> Velasquez tag 2.75 as well, but any notes on that match um, or any notes on the main event, Blue Demon and Dr. Wagner? There's a, that was a lot of fun, at least. I was going to say, like, thinking of matches of the night, the one I probably end up enjoying the most was that Blue Demon Jr., Wagner Jr., mm. partly because of the entrance, because mm. it was absolutely wild, because they were both on alternate cranes mm. that were, like, leading down to the ring. And that's one of the actual things to kind of take away from AAAs. That's a hell of an arena that they're in, and there's elements of it where the presentation looks looks really good and, and different as well. Like, I like it with the... Um, the Rocky Four music they like using throughout mm-hmm. it. There's something about that that kind of looks somewhat unique, and and the crowd are always sort of invested in this match, and it turned to a fucking bloodbath. Oh, what was it? Oh, one of them came out with like "Bad Medicine" by Bon Jovi. Oh, that was great. Oh, yeah, it's the housewife's favorite. That's <laughs> that really yeah. is, isn't it? 
and chili peppers. Oh, they don't Dr. give a fuck Pepper. about music, do they? They don't care about uh, oh, uh, getting they have, sued. They are at best indifferent to copyright law. Hmm. At best. Um, <laughs> they don't give two shits at all. But yeah, that was great, that opening, when they were sort of staring at each other. And they both had masks on at that point as well. Mm. And they just started bleeding like absolute crazy oh, bastards. They used they? a fucking... There's a cinder block in there at one point they used as a weapon. It was yep. a proper... Hammer. Yeah, hammer. Yep. It was a proper lucha brawl. I really, I mean, I gave it three and a half on grapple. I feel I feel like maybe I should have gone three, seven, five at least, um, as far as that match goes. But as far as, like, brawls that did... You know, we were a bit hungover the morning after. Um, or was it the evening after, wasn't it? After Future Shot. It was the evening, yeah. But yeah, that shot of uh, of Blue Demon having uh, Wagner in the in the armbar and they're both covered in blood um, and they're both, both kind of just laying on the mat after the match as well. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it had good drama and I thought it was a, it did look like a, a murder scene after the match and, and, you know, it was a very good fight. The, uh, the grapple average was 3.81. I don't know if, uh, if either you guys uh, went past that or, or below that on it. I did think it was by far the, uh, the best match in the show and uh, it should be as the main event being a uh, mass versus I. To my shame, considering I was in Grapple Towers while watching it, I haven't I haven't rated it on the app. I'll yet. sort wow. it out. Oh, and I should do. I would say three and a half. I went three point two five. Okay. It it was the most focused match of the night, <laughs> yes. I thought, and it had the most purpose of any match. Um, but it was a fucking mess. Oh, absolutely! Well. Yeah, yeah. A fun mess. But not a mess that I was that bothered about. I enjoyed it for what it was. Mm. I'd never watch it unless I was with one of you two. Mm. Um, <laughs> Dr. Wagner Jr. was the highlight. He's a good-looking bloke, he is. Oh, he is. And he bled a fucking ton. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like, I'm not being funny. There should be a few American companies just looking to get him in for some big shots. Like, get him in at Mania weekend. He'd be, be absolutely outstanding. But in terms of... Him in and make him dad. They could do that. They could, he could be oh. if he wore the white like he was wearing here, which is I love that when you, when people wear white for a for a blood feud. But if he wears those pants again, easy introduce some. If he came in in a, in a white suit alongside Andrade being on the outside of the ring and then occasionally got involved, <laughs> that that would that could be. Quite he fun. does really look like him, doesn't he? He looks like a he much does. older version of him. But yeah, in terms of a lucha brawl. It was what it was. It, the fans got what they wanted from the match, it seemed. The crowd seemed invested in it as well. Mm. Yeah, it fulfilled what it was there to do, if anything. So I don't really get AAA, so I don't yeah. really think I'm the best person to be doing a review of a <laughs> I don't think I get AAA, to be honest, like a lot this. of time. <laughs> you try. Uh, yeah but yeah i mean all in all it was i'm glad we watched it it was definitely a slogging point and it was so fucking long and matt striker was completely unbearable but oh, i had a good time God. with you the other the other blokes did all right i thought pretty nondescript but compared to striker what's his name jp oh i can't Nobody joe knows. actually i was like joe dabrowski or something along those lines know. brilliant or De- have you just made that up <laughs> no it's joe De- i'm gonna fuck I'll have a look and find it out. Follow my I know why you think I've made it up. That might, I'll have a look. Uh, but yeah, Carry all, on. the commentary was overall shite, wasn't it, Joe? And the, the presentation yes. wasn't great. It took us a while to get the, the the English Twitch stream going, but hey, it was free and it was a night up watching the wrestling. Can't complain too much. Last point, Hugo Savinovich. He ate all the bloody pies, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> He's a very, very big lad, isn't he? <laughs> he is. Uh, but anyway, moving on from Triple Mania, that was kind of Saturday and a bulk of our Sunday. But Sunday itself, we did actually head to Future Shot, which was our last show of the uh, of the weekend. Uh, went on a, a pub crawl with the Ogdens, got to do the, the proper Graps and Claps uh, experience that day. Uh, got to also appear, as I mentioned earlier, on the Graps and Claps podcast. Do check that out on Podbean, grapsandclaps.podbean.com. But... Yeah, I had a great little day out in Manchester. I was struggling after how many days drinking now? <laughs> this would be the fourth day of drinking. Fucking hell. No wonder. Three I've is... Dead. Sorry, just to interrupt. Oh, go Joe Dombrowski. <laughs> drinks. So I wasn't that far off. There you go. Anyone keep a note of the trivia? That's his name. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, we had a great day in Manchester, did we, lads? And it was, yeah. Although it was a fourth day of drinking, it was a good day of drinking with it being the Future Shock Tap Show and there being lots of lots of good beer on tap there for the gimmick uh, and lots of good beer uh, in the afternoon out with the Ogdens. I know it sounds like we're just a like, group of animals absolutely <laughs> drinking all weekend. It was weekend, pretty bad, like it was pretty bad. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't drink the Saturday, so I remember I had to drive. I had a, oh, yeah. I had a pint and arse. Say so that, I, I didn't have that. too much either. I was feeling quite rough. That was... But one thing I would it was the quality of beer made such a difference in terms of feeling up for going to do stuff. Mm. It, when you're drinking hula hooch, you don't necessarily feel great in the morning after having, having two cans of that. <laughs> Whereas with a lot of these beers, there were it was a nice was it Pomona or something yeah, it was called? Yeah, that was a show. Yeah, and that and that was really nice. And Joe said it earlier on: wrestling matches in these craft breweries, if you've got a big enough space there, that's. That's what you should be doing because it becomes like kind of a bit more boutique then at that stage. Mm. And it it was such a cavernous venue. Mm. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah, it was great. And yeah, like I say, we had a a great day out and a great afternoon at the wrestling. I really enjoyed it. It was the... uh... I went to a Future Shock for Love of Wrestling, but before that, the last time I went to a Future Shock, I was actually on the show. That's how long ago it'd been, like 2007, something like that. I've seen shows on VOD for me, Fighting Spirit Magazine work and, and other things, but as far as actually going to a show, yeah, first mm. proper one in a long while, and yeah, nice to see a lot of the uh, the familiar faces uh, still there and knocking around, and lots of great young talent there, and yeah, as you both just said, and as I said, an incredible venue for wrestling. Uh, as far as Future Shock's tap shows go. It's right by um, Piccadilly Station uh, in Manchester, mm. and it is perfect. It is like a, a craft uh, beer kind of venue more than anything. Apparently, they have food on normally, as we talked about. If you want the uh, the full match-by-match review, you can listen to that Graps and Claps podcast. Uh, but as we talked about there, yeah, they unfortunately mm. didn't have the food on this day. Joe, you had to sneak out for a, a sneaky Sainsbury's. Um, but yeah, all in all... Uh, Great venue for a show, great atmosphere, it was busy, uh, nice big benches they kind of have uh, set up uh, around the ring for you to watch. Mm. And yeah, what did uh, you two guys make of your, uh, your overall first experience at Future Shock? First of all, I was in a really good mood because I didn't have to eat a roast dinner. Um, <laughs> oh, I really wanted to, to get a photo of you eating a roast dinner on Sunday, Joe. But when you when you look so content with your go for laffle that I was happier with that. And then you got to be the ultimate troll because I could post that picture and uh, people could fume. Um, one Sunday, one day we'll get you, Joe, but... You look too happy with your falafel. We couldn't. Uh, oh, I was well happy. It was a good, good bit of salad. That lovely bit of salad. Uh, it's a good falafel place. It was good falafels as well. Yeah, love. But you know, I did need to sneak out for a couple of custard donuts or whatever it was from Sainsbury's <laughs> during the. Oh, they were uh, very nice too. 
they were all right, weren't they? But um, yeah, I was in a good mood. But you're never going to get me with a picture of a roast dinner. Think about how long it took the Undertaker lose at WrestleMania. <laughs> you're going to have to really try here, mate. You need like I don't know some sort of Lesnar offer to come along for that to happen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a really fun show. Uh, it was quite, I love that venue. It was mm. a really cool venue. It looked like a um, sort of a, a, the the Resistance Gallery on heat if anything. Yeah. And we saw plenty of the Resistance Gallery the night before in London Rampage, so we're very familiar with the venue at that point in time. But, yeah, the layout, uh, the structure of the show, I thought was really good as well. The beer tie-in, I thought was perfect for Mm. this. Um, And that was one of the things that really attracted me to the show as well, because you know you're going to be drinking decent stuff, trying a few different things out Mm. while watching wrestling. So Mm. got to watch wrestling while drinking lots of good beer, two of my favorite things. So I can't really complain about anything Mm. on the car. Also mentioned it was dog friendly because I was stood up for most of the show. And I could have like, done without that. I know you're not. You're not, not <laughs> I, think, I, I forgot about dogs. That, there was yeah. absolutely there was a really lovely dog there. So it was like, and it was just like next to where where we were stood. And it was like, so it kind of added to this really relaxed atmosphere. Too many fucking mutts around the place. There there we there's go. my one complaint. Yeah. <laughs> At least there weren't any horses. Job. That. Dog hating as well. Not oh. hating, but I don't. I don't care for dogs. I don't want a small dog. But a a big dog. In fact, I don't want like a Great Dane or something in there. Fucking horses, them things. (laughs) Saint Bernard. (laughs) Perhaps they could have a faction of dogs in Future Shot, possibly. (laughs) I don't know where. If Chris Brooker's listening, have a, have a think. He won't be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as far as the show goes, though, it was fun. Did, did anyone, apart from the dog, yeah. stand out to you? I, I did think um, it, it felt like uh, Big Joe made uh, quite an impression on, on you two. He was oh, in he the, the first two matches of the night. Yeah, it, the thing about this show, uh, and you're thinking about the talent of it, and we mentioned it earlier when we have that overall conversation about Brit Rest, about how that top level is really struggling, but underneath there are these really good things going on the amount of younger wrestlers on this. And I think it was really important to say, I mean, like a lot of the matches, there wouldn't be the kind of stuff we'd be necessarily, say, star rating it uh, as much. But it was really encouraging to see these young wrestlers being with a good supportive crowd, Hmm. being able to kind of work and feel comfortable. And a lot of them had quite nicely defined characters. Obviously, Big Joe is a highlight for that. Mm. And that was just an awesome kickoff to the show as well as what they did. Yeah, if anyone hasn't seen had... him, he's kind of doing like a... He's a small man, but he's big. He's Crash Holly, isn't he? That's kind of the gimmick he's he doing. Um... But he does it really well. Mm. And he's great. And then being there with, with the Ogdens as well, with the sing-song and the chants they're doing for it. I mean, it's, it's superb. Mm. And the crowd understand it. It's the kind of gimmick that works anywhere. And it's sort of perfect as well when you've got like a kind of somewhat of a family show there at the same time. And so it was, it was the easiest thing to get. And the way they opened it up, it's had the match with T-Bone and he lost. And you're like, I remember you said to me at the time, it was like, yeah. well, what are they really doing with this? Yeah. And then it, and then it turned into Chris Sharp versus Joe versus Big Joe. The WWE the contracted referee, which surprised me. Yeah. yeah. He's American, isn't he? He yeah, lives he over is, here yeah. now. Yeah. Um, Oh my God, his facials throughout that match were absolutely outstanding. He looked like he was dying. It was, he was, it was like Bill Alfonso-esque. Yeah, Bill Alfonso is a good one. As far as like non-wrestlers go, doing a wrestler match, as doing that fish out of water stuff. Yeah, Fonzie and Shane McMahon are probably the uh, the two highlights in wrestling law. He's up there though. 
Oh, he is. And and Chris Sharp did really well. There was one point, I think, I, I don't know who the really, the big um, kind of second to Big Joe was, when they gave, uh, when he had Thomas an Irish Wolf. whip. So, oh, what's his name? Thomas Wolfe. Thomas Wolfe. And he, he was just giving him like an Irish whip, a whip into the ropes, and he dives through onto him and took him out, which took everyone by surprise. <clears throat> oh, it was but a big spot. Oh, I did it really well. Some of the roll-ups he did. Yeah, it was just it's so easy to watch. And yeah, really good fun. It was like a really good start to the show because it kind of just put you in a good mood mm. watching something that was quite funny, easy to watch, got the crowd into it. Yeah, really good thing. And to say in general about the show, we'll talk about individual wrestlers at various points, just the amount of younger wrestlers there who are going to be getting really good experience. A lot of like wrestlers who are between you know, in some cases, 16 and, you know, very early 20s. And mm. so it was really encouraging. And people that we'd seen before who'd seemed to sort of progress. I'm thinking of someone like Rio, for example, who seemed a lot better than the than the la- than when we'd seen her in PCW and how much she's progressed since then. Mm, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of young talent. The future has always been kind of, well, it was in, in historically a training school first and then, then like kind of a wrestling company and obviously they got the ties to, to other local schools around the area as well, um, like the WrestlePro. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of young great talent coming through. Um, yeah, Big Joe made a bit impression on me, although, you know, he's a, I suppose as far as young talent goes, he's becoming a bit of a veteran now. But I really like Tom Thelwell. I thought he looked really good. Yeah. Uh, he had a match with Sam Bailey, which is like a an open challenge match. He's he's one of the people, like you said, JP, who is, I believe, only 16. And he's in... He's 16, yeah. Uh, he's in decent... He's, you know, he's built well for 16 and he looks, he looks the yeah. part. And obviously he's going to grow into a... The, the potential is really obvious. He was doing a lot of flying, as we said on the Graps and Claps podcast. He was very Will Ospreay-esque, I would say, yeah. uh, in kind of his flying um, and the way it worked. But he did seem like a, somebody that's going to grow into grow into to be somebody a proper. And Sam Bailey did a great job as the heel in that match, uh, kind of getting him over. Um, do you know, did, did him or the any other guys that kind of stood out for you, Joe, on the show? Oh, the Ridgeway match was the highlight. Mm. Yeah. Um, against, what was the young lad's name? Luke. Luke Jacobs. Luke mm. Jacobs. That was awesome. And it was great seeing how much Ridgeway has improved since he did his uh, tour in Noah. Mm. He was fucking awesome. It was the most, yeah. most impressed I've ever been with him. Uh, real improvement during his time away. His strikes have picked up tenfold. Like They were pretty decent anyway. But now, the way he's laying them in... But also the sort of talk he's putting on them as well, the sound he's getting from them, the way that echoes, mm. the sort of general intensity and the consistency of that intensity and his kind of like periods of striking his opponent, just absolutely brilliant. I thought that he really got this Luke Jacobs kid over, considering mm. I had no idea who he is. I was quite invested in his story by the end of it. Mm. But yeah, Ridgeway looked like a completely different wrestler. His facial expressions, they weren't there before. They were there now. Mm. There was so much more character in the way he was using his body and using his face to get across sort of an emotion and a feeling sort of in the moment when he was on the attack. Mm. He was awesome, like really, really good. Um, I was going to say I was hoping to see more of him um, in the UK after this. Sorry, there's some guy going past playing drum and bass. I don't know if you can hear that. I was having a chat with him afterwards and he said he's back to Japan uh, on Wednesday for two and a half yeah. months. That's the so, worst thing if he's gotten this good since. No, no, not at all. And I think it's if he's got this good after one tour, 
Think of where he could be in two and a half months. Think about mm. where he could be in 2020 if he's over a little bit more. Like He's invested himself. He's believed in himself. He's gone out there. He's taken lessons from some of the best guys out there in Noah, clearly. Mm. And he's improved massively. And I was when I was talking to him, he said the only main guy out in Noah that he didn't get a chance to face was Segura. And he was the one he wanted to face, but he's getting to face him on the next tour. So oh, great. you think of some of the talent he's been in there with and how what, how and why his striking's improved, how and why his facial expressions have improved. It tells you what a tour of Japan, the quality promotion... Well, not quality in terms of the attendance, mm. but in terms of the wrestling talent they got. Especially there. when you're working a style that's gonna that feels synonymous with Japan as well. So that's exactly. that's a style that's gonna develop out there. Yeah. Mm. But I was so impressed with him in this match and the role he played. Yeah. And also the story. I loved the story with the young guys' strikes just not really having that much kind of oomph on them, let's say. Mm. And it felt like that was almost very intentional mm. to get across just what a yeah. hard hit a Ridgeway was. I've seen Luke Jacobs to... hit harder than that, so yeah, I think you're onto something there. Yeah, and it just was a really effective way of telling this story. Getting the young lad over as well, there was real sympathy on him. Yeah. Also, some of the sort of uh, machine gun chop sequences. If you want to get me on side, do this and do it well, and they did it and they did it well. Mm, definitely. And, and uh, I thought he... He looked great, and I did, I did think, you know, Luke Jacobs, although he was asked JP to play a very specific role in this match, he was the young boy. Yep. And in real life, to be honest, him and Ethan Allen are, do seem to be Chris Ridgeway's young boys. They're very, they're very, I don't know, classic Noah in style, and can maybe feel a little bit cosplay at times, but they're growing into it, and they're getting better. Ah, they've been better. watching their Kabashi and Kawada oh, tapes, you can tell. <laughs> yeah, good you, on them. Yeah, yeah, if there's anybody to emulate, then that's probably the people to emulate. Oh. And I've got to be honest, like I was, yeah. you know, when I was writing the one to watch stuff for Fighting Spirit magazine, if I'd have pitched another one, unfortunately, it's dead now. It would have been on Luke Jacobs and, uh, and Ethan Allen, because the yep. two of them have so much obvious potential and yeah JP is the the grapple young boy correspondent that could sound bad couldn't it uh, you were... <laughs> it never sounds good man <laughs> I'd imagine you were very impressed as well by your by your Lung Yuk Jacobs who is in the uh, the Tetsujin tournament coming up uh, and is probably going to have a, a breakout show in there he looks uh, absolutely ready to uh, to break out with maybe a, a couple more years experience exactly this is these are the kind of shows he should be doing for for a long time and you mentioned in terms of like going with that style i think that's a style that works especially if you're a younger wrestler of, of kind of i know it might seem imitation young boy stuff but the idea of having the kind of dojo mentality character where you know they're going to be losing mm. and you know they're going to be perfecting a certain group a group of moves like that for me works very much as a as a um as a story and you know i, I think you know it's really good seeing them in these kind of testing situations and yeah it works and yeah, there's a there's a lot to be said about how they're being trained because clearly they're doing stuff right. Mm. And also, you can go back to this match. Oh God, yeah. In a yeah. year's time, to yeah, show yeah. The progression of Luke Jacobs again. And, oh yeah. yeah, there's stuff you can play into from this as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Really impressed with this one. Yeah. I think I'd buy a ticket as well. Like I I went four stars on the day for this one. Maybe call it a little bit of live I'd bias, agree. but. Yeah, yeah. A match that was absolutely worth making the trip. Uh, but yeah, that was the highlight of the first half. I did think the first half was much stronger than the second. Uh, for me, the only real highlights of the second half was the main event. Uh, Zach Gibson and James Drake uh, against uh, Son Derson and Joey Hayes, which was kind of your standard uh, Bouye tag match, but solid enough. I mean, did that stand out for you guys or did anything else stand out for you guys in the, the second half or, or elsewhere on the show? 
I think the Ridgeway Jacobs match stole it. Um, it was the only match, I'll be honest, that got me yeah. and got me fully invested mm. and fully interested. Mm. The other stuff, I was sort of having a chat while the match was sort of going on, if mm. anything. Um, yeah, it was very much... Uh, maybe I was doing like a Fight Club Pro show, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it's, but, but it was, tag it, was you're good. able to watch it, but at the same time, you are able to kind of yeah. enjoy it. But you don't need... It's it's not stuff that's going to necessarily completely hook you into no, the match. No, yeah. you're it's right. It's a family it's show first... with younger wrestlers, isn't it? You're going to hold it yeah. to a lower standard. I mean, Ridgeway Jacobs, I could put as, on as any... As we should, yeah. You could put on any big progress, Rev Pro show, and it might not be the match of the night, but it would be, you know, a really strong undercard match. Uh, the rest of the show, you know, as fun as it is, I think that's the other thing, isn't it, that goes to our discussion at the top of the show, and I'll always say that, you know, as much as everyone will say these kinds of local shows are fun, and they were, and we had a great time, you do hold them to that lower standard, and you're not going to analyse yeah. it with the, you know, the depth that you're going to, you know, a more serious, quote-unquote, work rate match in the uh, in the bigger promotions. Well, yeah, you can't walk out and go, yeah, it was all right, but, you know... It's no Osprey, Zach, and the G1, is it? Like, you know, that's a really kind of churlish attitude to kind of bring across for it as well. So you, but, and I have to say as well, it was 12 quid. Mm. Like, for 12 quid, it's like really had the money's worth. Mm. You know, going on a show like this, it was like, yeah, this was a good show and it was really worthwhile going to and fun. Mm. And when you talk about going to see sort of local independent shows, these are the types of ones we have those few sort of bigger stars and what they're doing is they're able to help elevate elevate some of the other um the younger guys on the show as well and you've got some good solid veterans with easy characters to understand mm. you know we've spoken about him a few times joey hayes i always tend to enjoy joey hayes when i see him wrestle to be honest mm. with you it's sort of, you know he's good at that level i think he's good at yes, that level and that's very absolute, that and, that, and that's a good thing that's not a bad thing mm. solid there so i've heard a lot about yeah. him first i'd seen him Impressive how fluid he was. That was yeah. the thing that stood out to me. His movement, um, his execution was excellent. I didn't necessarily see a lot of charisma. Mm. Uh, That's kind of my take guy. on him. Yeah. yeah. Like, I've seen a lot of them. Yeah. seen him in GPW, you know, This Is Wrestling, now Future Shock. He's definitely someone, you know, the Ogdens of that will rave about as being, you know, a potential star. And you can definitely see it. Like I say, he is smooth and he is, you know, his execution, that's great. Just, yeah, I believe he's a stronger personality as a heel. Um, so maybe that's the, the son of Dirt and I need to check out rather than the this babyface versus babyface feud they were trying to set up with Joey Hayes. That match is off, by the way. They were building to the, uh, the champion versus champion match at the anniversary show in two weeks. Turns out PCW have got a show the same day and they've pulled rank and Joey's can't be on the Future Shock show. Oh. Uh, so that's a bit of a shame. I may flood that, uh, unfortunately, spoiling things. It does be- does, oh, Stephen. does beg the question why they built it anyway at the weekend. But they also built a, they had a really good angle with uh, with Chris Egan getting taken out by the Grizzled Young Veterans at halftime to build up his match with uh, with Egan and Danny Hope against uh, the Grizzled Young Vets. So maybe that'll uh, it'll sell some tickets instead for their, for their anniversary show. Yeah, and good luck. Good luck to them. They're doing things the the right way, and they're sort of able to to build their cards up. So hopefully they have a good time at that anniversary show. Definitely. Would you head back? Would they have to be? A yeah, I would do. If we, if we were doing like a kind of a weekender of yeah. a few if shows in the on, area, yeah, you in the area, then yeah, I wouldn't go out my way. Like I wouldn't travel up specifically to see a future shop show in the way. But it's gonna it's gonna take a lot for me to do that. It'd have to be. Mm. If we were meeting up and it was like a get together of a few of us, absolutely, yeah. I'd go along. Yeah, definitely. So, in fact, it's kind of the perfect place if you're going to meeting up, meeting up with a few mates and watching wrestling. It's kind of perfect for it. The environment they had. 
Definitely. Yeah, it is as far as like a, a social event. Um, that's what it's good for. And yeah, being <laughs> up in the area, a little bit ashamed. I've not been to uh, many Future Shock shows, been to plenty of the other promotions in the Northwest. But yeah, I need to maybe visit Future Shock a bit more. And I'll, I'm sure I'll head to that next, uh, the next tap show when it does get announced. But yeah, a lot of fun. Headed back to Liverpool. Uh, JP got to go to the famous Lobster Pot, the, uh, the, the, the place where I once saw Stephen French Walker in with two girls, uh, one in under each arm. Uh, that's the story I told on this podcast a few times. Joe, you had a cracking burger, and we uh, we headed back to Grapple Towers to kind of close out the weekend. Uh, any overall thoughts on uh, Lobster Pot, uh, your burger, Joe, or just Liverpool in general in the weekend? I had a lovely burger from Archie's. Excellent burger. Um, I didn't have an excellent you burger. You like muck. <laughs> Yours was <laughs> like £2.20, though, JP, to be fair. Too from the, cheap. From the famous Lobster Pot. I'd had a drink and you'd sold me on the lobster pot. And, and occasionally <laughs> you've Stephen just got to eat... Well, occasionally you've just got to eat filth, haven't you? <laughs> That's just sometimes what happens. Mm. Yeah. I'd, I'd had, I, had, I had a domino Saturday night. I'd had too much filth. I needed someone that was cooked with good ingredients, mm. freshly prepared. Not the filth you ate, mate. Uh, you got lower standards than me. <laughs> I do. Yeah. As Gareth said, though, this week all I've wanted to do is just eat a load of vegetables to make up for the uh, the beer mm. and the food that we uh, we had this weekend. But hey, it was it was great having you up here, lads. And yeah, we got oh, to go brilliant. see Brookside Thank close you. as well. Uh, the, the the morning after on, on your way home, that had to be worth the trip all in all. And yeah, what a trip it was. Fulfillment of a dream. <laughs> it really was, and how kind of uncanny it was. Yeah. I imagine if you're a resident there, you'd be properly There's getting people sick. people who live there. It's just a it's just a regular road now, Brookside. It's still yeah. called Brookside Close. The numbering's off, obviously. But, yeah, we kind of pulled up in, in your car, didn't we, Joe? And uh, got the picture that'll be in the uh, the show image for this show. And, uh, yeah, I could you could just tell that the neighbours were just looking at us like, oh, nah, this shit again. But big moment for you guys. I hope your, uh, your parents were impressed, Joe. Oh, my mum loved it. Mm-hmm. And my mum was, like, well excited when she saw the pictures. But... You, you don't choose to move into Brookside Close and not expect people to be turning up. Like, you, you can't complain too much. Yeah. <laughs> and there were a lot of kids running around anyway, weren't there? You know. Yeah. Them kids really don't even know what Brookside is. Yeah. They have even massive born. drives there, haven't they? You could fit like 15 cars in some of those fucking drives. Well, I remember there. when there was a helicop- helicopter landed in the close or something at one point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see how a helicopter could fit yeah, in there. Yeah, good, good bit of space for it. Yeah. yeah. Place the be- thought- Lots of place to bury bodies as well in the back. We unfortunately didn't get oh. to see uh, where Tre- Trevor Jordash was buried, but we could kind of work out where it was. No, yeah, he, that, yeah. We I think we got the house right for that one, but it would have seemed a bit weird to come in and have a look at the patio. Mm. We've already decided next the next game. We're just going to mention it out there. Ken Barlow. That's that's going to be the 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 next sort of person to kind of stalk down in in Soapland. That sounds really bad. <laughs> so He's done some dodgy gonna, stuff. You're going to actively stalk someone. That's, that seems like I've said that. I didn't mean. I'm not going to actively stalk Fucking him. But hell, mate. He lives yeah. in Cheshire, I believe. We'll find him. We've we've got we've we've got a quiet in and a plan. <laughs> Bill but, Roach, we're on our way. Uh, but yeah, we did it. We got to Brookside close. You guys got, I mean, JP, you got your Jack Jarrah picture outside the Cabin Club. I took you down the depth of oh. Matthew Street. You saw, I think you, you really, you saw everything good and bad to offer in Merseyside. So uh, don't think we can did. complain. Yeah. I mean, even, you've got to say that the, even the Skagheads have a fair whack of gusto about them, don't they? It's what really threw themselves into it. They looked an absolute state mm. but that sounds a horrible thing to say matthew street oh oof. um 
yeah, that's that's a place and a half, isn't it? Oh, just it is. you just got to walk through it, look around, and then look away. Good photo of uh, Joe and some part of the person with, with the Silla Black uh, statue. Yeah, me and Silla. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good go. fun. You got to see it all. So yeah, it was great having you up here, guys. Great to see you, the likes of Andy Ogden and uh great to sit great to, uh, gracious of Gareth to uh, to host you yes. guys and me at Grapple Towers as well, uh for a night Very, or very two. kind of you both. What a weekend. <laughs> oh stuff. So. Anything more on that or should we uh, get into our G one segment? It's G one time. G one climax I'll show up at your house in the middle of the night and exchange the comedic vehicle. We will become true masters of performery. Go away from the vault. Jeff Cobb is the Romelu Lukaku of New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> right, let's talk some G1 then. Uh, guys, we tried our very best over the weekend uh, it was a very busy weekend as people have just heard to squeeze in as much G1 as we could I got to see firsthand JP you on my on my couch with your tablet out trying to watch some G1 I think you were trying to yep. watch some on the train in the car as well we managed to get it done like I was bits and bobs for me like I saw a couple you rewatched a couple of matches with me later on, on, I think on the Sat Friday night when we got home. Uh, I've yep. gone back over the last couple of days and had to jump back into I'm a completist JP. I wanna see all of the matches of the tournament. So I've been I've been trying my absolute best, but yeah, it was a it was definitely a struggle keeping up with it. Uh, even with this great schedule uh, this year out. This was the hard week. Mm. This was the week it was like this is hard to catch up on. And if you get out of the habit of it, mm. it'd be really That's hard to get back in. That's the killer. And so you kind of have to try and watch something that's really good. So you're like, right, okay, I'm back with it. But this was the week it was hard. There are matches we're going to talk about that my eyes, I saw them. They existed. <laughs> I was pretty sure I was present. Mm. But if you'd asked me what happened, I've, I've kind of no idea. Mm. So, yeah, if it sounds more slapdash than usual, don't be too surprised with this. This was it – was, it, was, it was fun – but difficult to fit in. Yeah, it was definitely tough, but I think between the three of us, we'll be all right. Uh, be a joke and uh, pick up the slap there, and you can you can help us out too. But yeah, we'll probably go into more detail this weekend. We're going to have a. We're still nailing down the schedule. We're expecting to have a Friday show, a Sunday show, and a Monday show just to cover the SummerSlam slash G One Finals weekend, where we can go into it even more detail and, and cover the uh, the couple of shows that are also happening this week. The uh, the awkward Wednesday and Thursday shows that are happening. But yeah, without uh, further ado, let's get into it. Uh, four days of G One to, to catch up on. Uh, again, like I say, it was a struggle. Days 11, 12, 13 and fourteen. Uh, day eleven. Uh, I think you watched this on your own, Joe and then I caught up uh, on the night um, but yeah fun show uh, G1 Day 11 it started with uh, Kota Ibushi and Bad Luck Farley uh, somehow somehow better than the Osprey match for Kota Ibushi but uh, you know that's probably not saying much uh, as far as that goes uh, either you've got any abiding thoughts on uh, on the job that uh, poor Kota had to do with with, uh, with Bad Luck Farley the very worst man uh, in the tournament this year out He's a fucking state, and in the space of a few days, he had the worst matches of Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay's career. Fucking shit, let's move on. Wow. <laughs> I can't argue with that too much, JP. It was, it was bad. Mm. I, was, I was just disappointed mm. in this, and I, I don't want to see Farley again after this show. <laughs> Let him run the dojo. 
a Kota Ibushi match with an average of 2.04 on grapple. Like, I gave it 2.25, but either you go any... I assume you both went lower than that. Uh, yeah, I went like one. I think I went less than that, maybe. Look, it took Razor Ruddock retiring from football before he <laughs> piled it on and became a lazy sack. He's doing it while he's in a G1. Like, the man's a fucking <laughs> disgrace. He needs to be as far away from this tournament as possible. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah. yeah. Smoke and Two, Mirrors. I think I went for this, and that's overly generous. My God. And that's just purely for the coat of Smoke and Mirrors, isn't it, JP? But, yeah, mm. as Joe said, moving on, we got a... A classic after it, one of the uh, the better matches of the tournament for me, Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay. Uh, bit weird that it, they kind of came out second, uh, I thought, because I, I honestly think the rest of the cards struggled to follow them, but this was absolutely incredible. We've all seen, you know, their their previous matches. We we know how good these two guys are and how good they both are uh, at this year. As a, it was kind of like a, you know, kind they flipped the match on the head a little bit with a, you know, Osprey working over Zack Saber and Zack Saber trying to wrap up wrap up Will Osprey. I absolutely loved it. I gave it four and a half, which is a above the four point two four on grapple. Um, but yeah, one of the uh, for me, one of the highlights of the tournament so far. Ah, oh, this was so good. It was one of the easiest matches to watch, I thought, in the yeah. entire tournament. Mm. These guys are just so fluid together. Mm. Like, they just they just mesh in this way that's just... It's like watching, I don't know, um, York and Cole in their prime together. Put it that <laughs> way. Champions League campaign in 99. It just so easy to watch the understanding they have of one another is awesome watching Osprey change his game up and go hold for hold with Zach yep. again just shows how diverse he is their styles when Os- Osprey does add the sort of high flying sort of element to it just meshes perfectly with Zach's style like I loved how Zach changed his approach at times based on Osprey's explosiveness as well like Zach's counter wrestling this to get around Osprey when he tried to sort of go for sort of a more risky maneuver just excellent like just an absolutely stunning match and also quite unpredictable i never knew what was coming next to this i was really surprised Mm. by various sort of um reversals um sort of moments of counter wrestling this match it was everything i wanted Mm. but i know that they're gonna have better match in the future as well which is just they didn't give away everything they had to give no it was a conversation that we'd all had that night on the Friday, wasn't it about about saying about that we've seen them have better matches than the one they had at Walthamstow, being the the one that brought up it was for the uh, yeah that's J Cup yeah um, no 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 it was the November match that's right sorry yeah. yeah the November one yeah this was you you guys have kind of summed it up I mean I went four and a quarter and I think that might well you know I think that's being reasonably harsh it's put it this way go out of your way to watch it mm. it was just another match to kind of add on to the onto the list and also again sorry to mention Farley it makes you realise how shit Farley is when he drags in how far he drags Osprey down from the usual stand that he manages to hit mm. I think the thing with this match as well um, this is Zack Sabre Jr. and Osprey in a G1 in Japan. Two British guys, two guys from Kent and Essex, counties that mm. sit next to each other. Yeah. Brit wrestlers alive and well in New Japan. <laughs> well, it just shows, uh, you know, what great talent we've produced in these two. Mm. Oh, two, and, re- you know, two wrestlers who stuck to the guns as well and did it their own yeah. way. Like Zack Sabre Jr., like, 
he shouldn't be at this point. Like, he was someone who, like, I think I've said, I think I said it to you guys over the weekend that, like, I, I saw him get booked by you know a local promotion to me once and and get told that he, he should be out there being a being a happy clappy baby face and he went out and he had his, his Zack Sabre Jr. style and he never got booked again but he stuck to his guns and he, he, he was true to himself over years and it paid off and he got to New Japan and yeah. he was genuinely successful. Will Ospreay, you know, how many people told him he was going to break his neck by the age he was 21, went his own path, became the best wrestler in the world and he's at this point. I mean, yeah, there's there's getting an NXT UK contract and then there's genuine success like this. Well, earlier on tonight, I was looking at the amount of matches that sort of Tyler Bate has had this year. And and he's had twenty six, and One I think Pete match. Dunn's, yep, twenty five. Just gonna have a look now, just wow. to see see how many Zack Sabre Juniors had as well. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, because just it, it feels to me. Here we go. Have a look at how many matches he's had. So this year, twenty nineteen. I can never get scrolled down. He's had seventy. Seven, he's had seventy six at this stage. Wow, On record. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Uh, obviously, the G one. That's These are three well. times as 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 many matches. And figure yeah. Zach's age. Figure about Tyler Bate developing, mm, needing probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Tyler Bate's a great wrestler, but yeah, mm. at twenty two or whatever he is now, yeah, he should be wrestling more. Yeah. I think the other thing to take away from this, I think this is watching the number one and two wrestler that this country has ever produced. Mm. Uh, yeah, to Fair me, so. that's like watching. I don't know. Gazza and Beckham in their primes together doing crossfield passes and watching little mazy dribbles through defences. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And I, it was a match, I'll give it the ultimate compliment because it was one of the matches that I waited for the start of time and snipped out of the, into the toilet and worked and sat in that disabled toilet and enjoyed it very much. Um, that's a, If I'm going to do that, you know, I'm expecting good things and they delivered and we got the continued story of, yeah, uh, Osprey can't beat Zack Sabre Jr. So all in all, very happy with that. Definitely a highlight of the tournament so far. Yep. Um, I did really, think... really quick note before you oh, get into the next one. Osprey's had 83 matches this year. Wow. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. And how, good are the, how many of those up. do you remember? Name one Tyler Bate match from this year. You've got 10 seconds. Name one. The Grizzled Young Veterans match from TakeOver UK. Oh, damn it. You got it. one. <laughs> Name That's two. it. That's all I know. <laughs> That's because we made you review it on post, Joe, uh, in that infamous appearance. <laughs> that, <laughs> that went down like a lead balloon, didn't it? <laughs> post Forum loves them some Joe Lemon. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was followed by Lance Archer and, uh, and Okada. Um, to be honest, I thought it was, uh, again, weird placement to throw Will and Zach on that early, but I did think Okada and, and Lance Archer you know, followed it well enough. I gave it 3.75, an average of 3.76 on Grapple. Uh, just a really good, you know, not big man, little man match, but a big man in there with you know, kind of almost making Okada uh, the near fall in there. Uh, I thought it was a, a really strong match. Another, you know, thing to add to, you know, it, it was kind of maybe a, I don't know, a, a, a test point for Lance Archer. You know, can he can, mm. can he do it in there? I mean, everyone can do it in there with Okada, but can he live up to the bill and, and you know, have the match we all expect him to have with Okada? And as far as solid G1 matches go, I could have even gone four stars on it. I thought it was good enough uh, and a good sign of a... I wanted them to go over, so I was sad that didn't happen, but definitely a match I want to see again with maybe a bit more, uh, you know, focus on it on, on a different show. Uh, hesitant to say more time because I don't really want to add any more time to Okada matches, 15 minutes is good enough for me but definitely a good taster for what uh what you could get in another match with these two 
Yeah, it would be a good point as well with Archer in the future if he can get into that. Sorry, bring him up that Farley role where he gets that kind of, you know, he can get that pin on an Akada in in a match leading up to headlining one of the minor shows, and you can and they can have a much longer, much more drawn out affair. But like you say, like that kind of tester for where he is. I went three and a half. I've enjoyed. I can't think. I mean, obviously, bar he who shall not be named anymore. Um, apart. Archer's had really strong matches throughout the entirety of this tournament. And even at this stage when he must be feeling it and, you know, he's had back issues and whatnot before, he's still managed to to wrestle and work up to a high level. And he's just so engaged and involved and clearly loving this tournament. And, you know, I, I was I was in doubt about where they could go because I could I could see Archer beating him. I didn't think it was, it, you know, it was something that was necessarily in, implausible. Mm. I thought this was an awesome match. I went four stars of this one. Mm. I thought it was the I'm most tempted. different, most different Akada match I've seen in a good while. Mm. Certainly the most different Akada match during this tournament, if anything. He was working as a proper babyface in peril at mm. points of this. And I thought that he was sort of changing up his offense to get around Lance Archer's kind of big moves as well. And I really like the psychology of Akada just adapting his style, adapting his character ever so slightly to get Archer over it a little bit more as that sort of monster, if anything. Hmm. Also thought this went a really, really good length. Um, and also Archer, just I know we've raved about Archer throughout this, hmm. but Archer's just been so impressive throughout. I don't know about MVP of a tournament, but if I was doing a top five, Lance Archer would probably be in there, and that's mm. something I didn't think I'd say at the start yeah. of this tournament. You can argue on that MVP front, like for very differing reasons of like expectation versus what you delivered. That Archer's I re- in I that top his five matches for me. If I was to look at my average Lance Archer mm. match rate, I think you're coming in around sort of four stars, if anything. And, I know. You know, Hoytomania was not averaging four stars. Like, this <laughs> it is was for me. Those <laughs> th- those tag matches where he was tagging with Kid Cash. Come on. I like Kid Cash. I like Train Josh Odom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, he's the man. And yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll be putting even more praise on him as the tournament yeah. goes on. Uh, but yeah. If he comes over to the UK, I'll be genuinely excited about seeing Lance Arch. And that's not something I ever would have thought. There you go. And then maybe you, him, David Starr, the cats, they could all hang out after the show. That'd yeah, be good. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, that was fun. Uh, went on to... Sonata and Kenta, and I'm looking at Grapple, and I haven't rated it. And lads, I can't tell you whether I've seen it or not. That speaks to what you said before, JP, about zoning out in some of these matches. I genuinely can't. Have I seen Sonata Kenta? I feel like I might have skipped over it. It's a Sonata match, though, so maybe I've just forgotten. But maybe I should give it the gentleman's three. Could, could either of you uh, jog my memory? Does, <laughs> did either of you rate this one? Um, it's a round yeah, of three on Grapple. I went three and a half. Same here. I went three and a half. I actually yeah, got more from this than I thought I would do. Well, I went three I and a half. I don't remember it. Seriously? I don't remember watching it. I don't I've recall. Got it. No memory of it. Is this is really? this like the Mandela, Mandela effect? In, in, in a, did this match really it happen? Possibly, I can't remember loads from it because I mean, at this stage, <laughs> Christ, have we seen about seventy matches from this tournament? The G one fatigue is real, everyone. I think I watched this kind of expecting it not to be good at all and then found myself pleasantly surprised and again kind of feeling what I had been feeling about Kenta in this tournament where it's very very quietly he's been okay and like 
you know, he's had some had some good matches necessarily. It was one of the better Sonada matches. And we'll talk about a, a much better one later on. But this was certainly one of the much better matches he's had in there. But the fact that neither of you remember, that's that's absolutely fine. You can completely see how that would happen. You know, I might just give it three stars and grapple and be very confident that it was a three-star match. Uh, yeah, you that can blag that. That's fine. <laughs> You'll never be questioned by anyone going, so what happened in that Kenta Sonata? <laughs> no, I'll get people in the comments on grapple asking me questions. Uh, I'd like to say I'll rewatch it, but I don't think I will. Maybe I'll just leave that one nah. unrated. Uh, it's a Sonata You'll match, live, everyone. Mate. Don't uh, worry. I think I'll live. Uh, one match I did watch, though. Uh, Evil and Tanahashi caught up with that one today. Uh, because mm-hmm. it was it was it was one I hadn't seen, so that actually does make sense. Maybe I didn't see Sonata and Kenta. Uh, shit, the completest him. He's gonna have to go back now. Evil and Tanahashi yeah. was good though. Uh, I saw people really, really raving about this one, which is kind of the reason I was like, okay, I need to dedicate some time to sit down and watch this thing. Saying that, average of three point nine five on Grapple, I gave it three point seven five. Uh, it was your standard Tana sells the knee, comes back, he hits the high fly flow, he wins. Uh, that was kind of the story there. Um, mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed it, and you know, Tanahashi is always gonna gonna drag a evil into something that will at least uh, interest me as as uninteresting as I found uh, evil and Sonata this tournament. It's really funny because I'm I've been really high on evil, a lot more higher on this than I would have been. I gave this four. I really enjoyed this. And like you say, it had the standard structure of a Tanner match in the G1. Mm. And I was kind of fine with that, but it felt like Evil's, I don't know, maybe it was just sort of Evil's intensity throughout it. The fact that he seems to be moving much more at a bit of a pace as well. I didn't find myself kind of, it's not like it's boring at any stage. And there's been Evil matches, which obviously kind of just disappear into the ether. But this one, and it says a lot about Tanahashi as well, who again, you know, throughout the tournament has, I mean, he's been putting in performances pretty much every single night and you consider the wreck that his body is is in. It's still quite incredible he's able to kind of pull out. He gets, he elicits drama. That's the thing that he's best at. And he can do that with so many people. And I found this match dramatic enough. And mm. and again, I kind of, I Tanahashi down to win on the Pickhams, but there were points where I thought that Evil was going to get the win. Mm. Yeah, any thoughts on that one, Joe? JP spoke for me. Fair enough. Yeah, solid main event, if if not hugely spectacular, is probably my uh, overall thoughts on that one. But we moved on to the B block, day 12. Uh, kicked off with Jeff Cobb and, uh, and Shingo. Um, again, we're, we're not huge fans of Jeff Cobb on this podcast. I doubt this one changed either of your minds. Uh, an okay match. I enjoyed kind of the Shingo's matches have all been you know kind of varied this was a this was one where he kind of worked over Cobb's knee and it was a bit of a different story uh all in all enjoyed it Shingo's you know by now you know there's no chance of him going anywhere as far as uh, the G1 goes as a tournament but still fun to 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 see him out there uh, uh impressing um and maybe on the the weaker side of of Shingo matches as far as this tournament's gone as a whole but still strong enough and yeah maybe as good as you're probably going to do with Jeff Cobb at this point I gave it three and a half 3.86 is actually the actual average on grapple uh how about you two guys honestly I've really enjoyed this I think this along with the Ichi match is my favorite Cobb match of a tournament mm-hmm. um I thought that they kind of meshed and there was a kind of they kind of clicked if any figured I think 
Shingo should be look sorry Cobb should be looking at Shingo as inspiration. Mm. When I was watching this, I was thinking Cobb, oh, sorry Shingo, kind of has what Cobb needs in terms of that X factor, like the way Shingo uses his face and uses his uh, sort of execution, his body to have a story in a match. Is something Cobb just does not do enough of. Mm. Um, and I thought that Shingo really helped Cobb get through this match and helped Cobb get over a little bit more during the match as well, if anything. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't think Cobb's been really impressing anyone in this tournament at all, to be honest with you. And this isn't a match that I'll necessarily remember, but for what it was, I did think it was a very good match. Shingo, we'll go into more detail on Shingo mm. later. I think he's had a really good tournament. Mm. He's one of my absolute favorite wrestlers right now. And he's one of the one of those guys that I don't think I've skipped one of his matches, and I don't think I will be skipping one of his matches because anything he does, there's I get something out of every Shingo match I watch at the moment. He's a great guy. There's a pattern in this tournament where Shingo's managing to get good matches out of people who you wouldn't be necessarily expecting. Because I really enjoyed the match he had with Taichi as well. Mm. Um, you know, that's something that he's managed to do. And obviously, you can look at the results and say it's not necessarily been successful, but it feels like there's a that's all much more part of a hopefully a longer term sort of character arc story with Shingo of him getting used to the heavyweight division and the fact that his moves don't work on those bigger guys. So he's going to need to perhaps adapt his offense. And I think that's like a nice sort of running pattern they've got with him. Joe says, well, we're going to mention another uh, match involving it, but this one I went three and a half on Hmm. and yeah, I have to agree. It was one of the, one of the better Jeff Cobb matches, but yeah, I echo Joe's thoughts generally on Jeff Cobb. Fair enough. Well, the match I went three and a half on, and uh, our pal Jamesy, who absolutely killed it last week on this podcast, uh, he was fantastic yes. filling, Joe. We missed you, but Jamesy was very good too. We'll have to get that man back. Um, he, we were talking last week about uh, the Yano scale and how none of us really thought you could kind of break three stars with him. Um, three and a half for this one. Uh, I could even I could have gone four. Uh, image on Moxley. I absolutely loved it. I watched this with uh, with you guys when we got back on the, on the Friday night. <laughs> Pissing myself laughing at this one. I know, you know, Moxley left him to be to get away from the comedy, but if he's going to do it, obviously this is the time to do it with Yano. They had incredible chemistry, I thought, from the Be- Benny Hill kind of, Yano trying to get away from Moxley to the stuff they did with the guardrails. I absolutely loved it. I thought... Uh, uh, Umino was uh, was fantastic. It's kind of uh, getting involved as well. Uh, absolutely loved this, and I gave it three and a half. And I'm I don't know, Joe. What's your thoughts on the Yano scale? Because I'm starting to doubt myself. I don't know whether I might have gone higher or is is three and a half about as high as you could go for a for a Yano match. I don't know. I think I may maybe close to four on that Omega match Yano had last year. Oh, I true, yeah. loved that yeah. match. And the Zack match Yano had last year as well was awesome. Yes. Um, so I think those matches are uh, superior, personally. There's a bit more to them as well, if anything. But for what this was, it achieved what it needed to achieve. And I thought that I was going to be really annoyed that Moxie lost his first match to Yano. But the way they pulled it off, I really wasn't. And yeah. I was laughing at the result as well. So yeah. they managed to pull off, you know, something that they've done constantly with Yano in a slightly mm. different way. Mm. And also they played off the relationship with Moxley and Shooter as well, oh. which I quite liked. <laughs> oh, you see the interview off. So yeah, 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 I did. Oh, what did he say? I mean... Oh, he was just, he, he was talking about actually to, in order to beat 
Yarno next time. They're going to need to become Yarno. You'll have heard a small sound clip from this earlier on, um, <laughs> with him saying that they're going to they're going to turn up in a comedic car. And oh, get I up did hear that. Yeah, buffoonery and attack. <laughs> and it's and like you said about like Moxley and the comedy. It feels like this is comedy. He gets this within wrestling. It's like yeah, this is fun. This is funny stuff. It's different from other stuff on the card, and he understands the folk. The, the point of it, the shite he had to do on Raw, on the other hand, I, I, I've said it many times, it's about humouring a mentalist, isn't it? Mm. Uh, and and this stuff, on the other hand, it completely engages the audience. I've said it last week as well. Anytime I watch Yano wrestle, I, I'm just really focused on what's going on in the match. And it's superb from it. Love the stuff even with the DVD and the 10 thousand yen they'd done the night before <laughs> yeah and, and like there's a way that they could have done this that this would have been awful but for how yano is the way he pulls it off and makes it believable yeah i mean i went three and a half so on the yano scale we're probably talking what good four and a half seven stars there i think uh, yeah it is. <laughs> it's... yeah and for me you said joe about you know you could be angry that this is moxley's loss but this is one i actually did get right in the pickings because i just felt like it's got to happen uh it just yeah felt i like think a lot of poetic justice it, yeah yeah a lot of people got this one so yeah uh, you know, ab- absolutely fire with Moxley taking a loss like this, and it it does make the overall tournament more interesting. So good stuff. Uh, next up, we had uh, Naito and Juice Robinson. Uh, not a huge amount of notes from me on this one. A solid, solid Juice match. I gave it three and a half. Um, not really particularly memorable one. Uh, I kind of get a little bit sick of the the Destino near falls that that Naito's doing. Um, yeah, I know. I think Kevin Kelly kind of, I've, I've heard talk of like, because he does like a modified version, doesn't he, for Near Falls, and Kevin Kelly calls it as a Destino, and apparently it's got another name. Uh, I don't know, pick your, pick your moments, Naito. I don't, I don't know if the match with Juice Robinson in the middle of this block was the, the time to be doing those Near Falls, although I suppose they are behind Juice Robinson. Uh, do either of you have any more detailed thoughts on, on this one than me? I thought it was a really good match, to be honest with you. I went four stars on it. Oh, wow. It was... I, I I really like Juice Robinson. I thought it was one of Nio's better performances. Perhaps I was just in a great mood when I was watching uh, this. Grapple average three point seven five. So yeah, you're not far off. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. what what day did I watch this one? I think I watched it just before I travelled down to see you pair. So I was thinking I'm getting away from this Scotland lark and I'm getting down to see the see the lads. And yeah, it was, maybe I was in a, a great mood or something. But you know what? I can't remember that much about the match. And I'm looking at my notes and I'm like. God, I actually don't remember this, which is kind of peak G1 fatigue, yeah. if anything, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm sorry for this uh, terrible performance that I'm put in tonight, but it was a four-star match. Give it a watch, I suppose. Yeah. I went I went three and a half, but much like you, I can't necessarily remember a lot of it. I think at the time I watched it, I really enjoyed it, and then it finished, and it sort of moved on. And I think that's possibly how it was, but I've enjoyed Juice in this tournament. Again, you're talking about those people having just quietly good, solid matches. And, and he's gotten over this serious character a lot easier than I thought he would have done. I would have thought there might have been a little bit of a sort of issue on the transition about it. But no, I think he, you know, he's done well. But yeah, it was, yeah, three and a half solid. Fair enough. Followed up by Jay White and Taichi. This is a match that I remember mostly because we tried to rewatch it uh, in my living room and it was the match that sent Joe to bed. 
<laughs> I think it was always going to happen. Jay White and Tai Chi. Um, I... I've been quite stubborn this weekend, haven't I? No rose. <laughs> Get into bed during Jay White Tai Chi. Like, you just live in yeah. the gimmick, mate. So you got to you got to keep it up. Uh, no, what? You didn't miss much. I gave it two point seven five. Grapple average is two point nine nine. I appreciate. Two and a half. It was two shit bags in a match trying to out shit bag each other. Uh, I think Jay yeah. White's got. He, you know, just, I think I was worried last week, Joe, because we did praise Jay White quite a bit while you were in here. Uh, I'll stand by it. I, I'm quite enjoying Jay White in isolation right now, at least as a character. Don't always love the booking of his matches, um, but I do like what he's doing in the matches and his particular his performances. And maybe he lies a little bit too much on the finisher reversal tropes. But there's another match we're going to talk about with him that I really actually like that in later on. Uh, yeah, he was the star of the match. Taichi was the other guy. Uh, you didn't miss much, Joe. But yeah, it was a match. It's Jay White. <laughs> no one misses with Jay White before. Uh, we didn't convince you last week, no? No. Jay White, <laughs> Jeff Cobb, was, is the third worst match after those two fights <laughs> I've seen during this. I thought it was oh, no. absolutely god-awful stinker of a match. You were that angry you wanted to send in an audio clip <laughs> of how you felt about I did this. try to record a couple. we all kind of liked it. Time, right? I couldn't get the tone right, and I was like, I can't set this off. I sound like a twat. <laughs> and I know I sound like a twat most weeks, but yeah, it's <laughs> to different levels. Uh, he's yeah. never going to win um, you over as a Jay White. What could he do, Joe? Uh, look, he's, there are matches of his that I do enjoy at times, mm. but it depends on the opponent. I don't feel that he's the most diverse of wrestlers at this point in time. Basically, he's a guy who's got very little... Well, he's, I say little. He's not got a lot of experience, he's mm. developing at a decent rate, and he's just been over-pushed too early, mm. and expected to do things that are way above his station compared to his level of ability at this point in time. I get it, it's like Callum Chambers starting an Arsenal team when he was 19, he just moved from Southampton. Mm. It didn't work out for him. Um, and I fear it won't but, work out this year as well, but that's a different And I think it's going to work out for Jay White, I don't doubt that at all, but Sometimes when he's put in there with someone like a Jeff Cobb and he's got to kind of lead the match, it, it, I just don't think he can do it. And this guy's an IWGP champion. Like, yeah, why are we talking about Jay White? Just... <laughs> I, I would just Go say... <laughs> All right. I would, no, I would just uh, say... I found us finding a sound clip for the next intro package has become a lot why easier Why are we now. talking about Jay White? Um, yeah. I, I do think, like, that criticism's all valid. I under, you can't really take it out. If, if you could just somehow magic that title run out of the conversation and say Jay White, as he's presented now at this level, I don't think he's over pushed for his level now. I think this is this is Jay White, and I'm quite happy with him being the potential spoiler for the tournament. If his title run was coming next year or in two years, I think we'd all be much happier. Um, but yeah, you can't scrub that. So I do see your point, Joe. I don't think I'd be happy because I'd still find him kind of dull, mm. but. A former IWGP champion should not be having matches like that match he had with Jeff Cobb. Tanahashi, Akada, and Naito being the only fellas that have held that belt really in the last few years. I mean, you've got Jay White in there as well. <laughs> None of those guys would be having a match like that. It's absolute shite. Fair enough. Glad you got it in, Joe. Uh, but yeah, Goto Ishii, as you mentioned, was the main event here. Um, this was just, it's go it's Goto and Ishii, isn't it? Uh, they're going to go out there like two bulls and they're going to kill each other. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to be remembering it this time next year, unfortunately, because it's kind of what, what Goto and Ishii do. 
it was one of those matches where I was getting really excited about the potential of a, you know, an Ishii spoiler run in the G1. Uh, he was doing really well mm. from a points point of view. And yeah, it, it was written in the stars, wasn't it, JP, that, uh, that Goto was always going to go over here. Uh, yeah, the the typical kind of never title type match um, that you get from these two hard hits, big headbutts, big strikes. But you know, we're probably not going to be talking about it this time next year. Um, for me, I went three point seven five on a grapple average pool four point oh nine. Don't know about you guys. Three and a half. I've seen them have better matches than this before. It was good. Mm. Yeah, like you can't fault them. I think I've it just fell have... into a kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen yeah. this before. They had a better main event at Corican last year, but I've seen them wrestle many times. It's kind of similar to that Ishii Nighter match earlier in the tournament, where it's like a really good match, but you just you've seen it before and you're not that bothered about it as a result of it. Yeah, it was yeah. what it was. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we then moved over to night 13, um, back over to the A block, kicked off with bad luck Fale again. I don't, if he's on the opener, at least he's easily skippable. I was definitely tempted. Um, to be honest, there was something I enjoyed here about uh, Kenta just teeing off on him. Uh, when it's wrestlers I don't like, I think I quite like just watching Kenta beat the shit out of him. It was going so well, Kenta kind of not taking shit from all the, uh, the Bullet Club interference and Gato on the outside, but that was all until Farley won with a roll-up of all things. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kenta had no chance of uh, dragging anything good out of bad luck Farley. We've slagged him off enough. I gave it 2.5 on grapple. Average is 1.91. Uh, I can understand that average. I went one. Wow. One and a half. Shite. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he's had better matches with Dan Mather on the Largo fucking loop. <laughs> it was yeah. It was sub two hundred five live standards. So if you can't even live up to that bad luck file, you've uh, yeah. And we were also excited about Kenta. Now he's had two forgettable matches in a row. Uh, bit of a shame uh, to follow up that Okada match with that. But moving on to more exciting things, Lance Archer and Zack Saber Junior. Uh, this was a bit fun. I enjoyed this. Uh, it was kind of. Lance dominating the match and Zack Sabre Jr. almost paying spoiler with the roll-up again. That's kind of the, the story of the G1. At this point, people like Zack who are out um, kind of uh, getting odd wins here and there. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I thought, again, Archers look great this tournament. Uh, another match that you know I'm probably thinking I want to see it outside of the G1 tournament, but still gave it three and a half. Grapple average 3.54. Uh, you guys higher or lower on it? I went 3.75 on this one, I think. Another really fun Lance Archer match. These matches are just a really nice addition to the card. Mm. There's something slightly different about them. I thought their styles mixed really nicely again. Like, never did I, I think I'd see Zack Zaber Jr. versus Lance Archer. I mean, oh, yeah, that's a bit of all right. Mm. And well and truly, it was a bit of all right. Typical sort of Zack stuff again, counter-wrestling finding ways around Archer's big moves, holding him at various points, finding different variations. Just a really fun match. I really, You know what I really like about these uh, Lance Archer matches? They're often second of the G1 matches. Mm. Very different to the uh, sort of progress women's matches that are often second on the card, <laughs> eh? Yeah, I'll take Lance Archer any day. Three, three and a half for this one. Again, yeah, another enjoyable Lance Archer match. And, and Zach kind of... Yeah, being Zach. Great fun. Awesome. Up next, Evil and Will Ospreay. 
lads, I don't know if this was good or not. I was honestly, I was, I was halfway through writing my notes, and I was, and I was kind of already kind of slating this and going, ah, even Will Osprey can't make evil interesting for me. And I know there's evil fans out there, so maybe I'm too harsh on them. JP, speaking one. to one, mate, speaking yeah. to one. But fuck me, the crowd were into this finishing stretch. I still yeah. wasn't really feeling it, and I'm thinking, I think I'm just wrong at this point because the crowd was so into like the Stormbreaker teasers and the Robinson specials and evil kind of coming back and fall, you know, just taking out Osprey with the the Everton as evil. I just the crowd were into every moment of this this DFL section. I just personally wasn't pulled in, so I think I, I begrudgingly gave it three point seven five, but I still don't know what I think of the match. Uh, I, I I'd expect you were a fan, JP, but how about you, Joe? I enjoyed it. Um, probably the most I've enjoyed an evil match of a tournament. Um, but look who he's facing at the end of the day. Um, of course, I'm going to enjoy it. The Farley match was just this match I'm going to pretend never existed at this point in time. Mm. Um, but yeah, that sequence that you spoke of, Benno, towards the end of the match, I was really on the edge of my seat as well mm. because I really wanted Osprey to be evil because it's fucking evil <laughs> and it's Will Osprey. Uh, so I was probably about as into it as the crowd were mm. at that point in time. So I thought they worked those pieces of the match together really effectively. And I came out of this thinking, what better evil matches have I seen? The only one I could think of is the Akada one a couple of years ago in G1 when he beat Akada. Yeah, yeah. Which was an, a great match. Yeah. Um, but other than that, this has got to be up there for one of the evil's best matches, if you ask me. Osprey again, stellar performance. Yeah, I went four and a quarter on this. I really loved this. Um, really engaged, completely bought the, um, the, the final stretch again in this. All the things you guys have just said about Osprey completely uh, spot on for this, except I'm a bit more higher on Evil. Um, I've got a funny feeling that Evil's going to end up beating Akada as well, as if they're playing into something with Evil, Sonata, and Akada at various points doing for this. But I, yeah, really enjoyed this, but it just adds to the legend of Osprey. And like you say, if you kind of. I have to get Gareth to get get some stats together. If you take Farley out, what's the Farley effect rather like the anti-Osprey effect of what he does to wrestlers? Mm. And I did one of the first things I said to Joe, I think when I saw you on the Friday, was you might have to have add evil to that list in terms of best matches. I know, I know, I'd agree with you though. Yeah, maybe again. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just the, I'm the low man on that one. Uh, but yeah, maybe it's just evil fatigue rather than uh, the G1 fatigue for me. But uh, I can definitely recognise. Yeah, there's something. There's some evil does something to these crowds. Um, so if he's over and he's getting reactions like this, and the matches are getting reactions like this, who am I to argue? Uh, but yeah, followed up by uh, Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, again. Semi-final spot. This is the, this is a match I would have expected they kept for like the the main event of one of the shows because it felt like maybe it was very good, but they didn't go you know the whole way out. It, they kept it to a tidy fifteen minutes, which isn't always a problem in the G one. But I don't know. Felt like a from a story point of view, felt like it maybe a bit more of an important match. I was you know eagerly anticipating whether we get a handshake after it and kind of maybe I was putting more stakes into that than they were or they did kind of have their their respect version after the match uh, for me it kind of felt like you know it was a lot of uh, 
a lot of very good things in this match. A lot of maybe the the greatest hits as as much as anything. But you know, mm. a very good match. I still still went on grapple and gave it four. Uh, the average right now is sitting at four point three eight. But you know, maybe a dis- slight disappointment considering uh, the last G one. Ah, oh, so I love this match. I thought this was great. Uh, mm. I thought it was like a progression of the match they had last year. And it was fully designed to establish that Ibushi has been elevated and Tanahashi has fallen that little bit down the card. Mm. One guy is coming into his prime and his peak while the other guy is moving away from that. I guess to put him off the tournament as well, I suppose, is is mm. kind of the story there too. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was quite... There was a sort of... um, sort of symbolic elements with him beating him cleanly as well. Mm. There was a focus in terms of the purpose of the match, how that works in the tournament, but also how that works overall with the position that these guys are in the card. I love this match. I thought it was absolutely awesome. Um, one of the things that I really loved about Ibushi in this match as well was throughout the tournament, I'm sort of noticing He's starting to add tiny bits of his high flying as he's gone. So I think Ibushi has adapted his style during this tournament. He's done mm. hardly any high flying when you think about it. And here, it was the first time I remember him seeing him do like a um, spring, opposite a jumping sort of hurricane runner or hit mm. scissors from the top rope. And it was like, okay, that he's got to pull out kind of some of the bigger moves at this point in the tournament to get over Tanahashi who had him last year. Mm. And I thought that him going over him convincingly establishes Ibushi as such a bigger threat going into those final couple of days. Mm. And it sort of says, okay, Tanahashi is losing in a quicker fashion in this tournament to guys that previously, it was taking over half hour to beat, or it was taking them over half hour to beat him. Akada beat him in 21 minutes. Ibushi beat him in 15 minutes here. It's a way of... Tanahashi still look incredible, but sort of being put down the card mm. while elevating those guys and making sure that we know these are the guys that we know are the sort of dons of this promotion at this point in time. I thought it was subtle, but I thought it was very good, very well constructed. I thought the stuff around the high fly flow was excellent. Um, playing off of last year a little bit as well. I also thought that the way Ibushi got his knees up at the last minute, there was a real kind of intensity to as well. And it sort of led to the next bit of the match, the Bommier. I thought it was a great match. Also, use of the Bommier as well. I know he's been using it a lot, but you think that's sort of Tanahashi Nakamura, the sort of legendary status of that feud. You think of the relationship between Ibushi and Nakamura as well. Yeah, I was a big fan of this. I went four and a half on it. I didn't think it was like a greatest hit at all. I thought it was a condensed version of other matches that they've had with a different story-based focus, if anything. Fair enough. How about you, JP? I went four. I mean, I wasn't as high as Joe on this, for, uh, but at the same time, I did enjoy it. I suppose for me, I was, I was slightly surprised, I suppose, by the shorter length. But I mean, now I'm thinking I need to go back and see this again. He's having the Jamesy effect mm. on us, Benno, isn't it? That's... <laughs> Yeah, I gave it four as well. Uh, not a bad rating. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, well, if it's four stars, it's worth seeing. Mm. So, yeah, four and a half. I'll, yeah, I, I might have to go back and have a watch that. Again, only 15 minutes being easy enough watch. It might have been also at this stage that I was, again, feeling real sort of G1 fatigue as well, where there's sometimes part of it, your brain is like lost during the show. You weren't hanging up your pants, were you? 
No, not at this point. I did watch it properly, but I was just knackered. <laughs> uh, followed up by the main event of the night and a match that was never going to go 15 minutes. Uh, Sonata and Ricardo, they love their long battles, these two, don't they? Uh, I enjoyed it, though, uh, all in all. Uh, I only gave it four. I know there's uh, higher ratings. The average on Grapple is actually four and a half, but I didn't mean any slight by that. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Maybe For me, maybe the length uh, is an issue for me, uh, although that's the story they were telling, you know, going to the, going to the wire um, and doing what they do. Uh, yeah, I thought it was solid. I thought the, I don't think the sc- the skull end's never gonna work for me as, as a move. But if I kind of forget that, I did enjoy kind of the drama of uh, Okada sitting in that for so long, and uh, and again, Sonata having to to pull out the the multiple moon salts to eventually put him away. It was a match based on uh, Suit Williams' uh, prediction that he thought Sonata was going to win the whole thing that I, I did in, in my pickings put Sonata over Okada. Kind of tells you what New Japan uh, think of Sonata uh, and the point that we're at with these two. Uh, but yeah, uh, a very, very good match, um, if maybe a bit long. And if you know, if it was up to me, I'd cut the first 10 minutes off all of these Okada matches. But hey, he's a, uh, he's a wrestling genius, so who am I to tell him uh, what to do? Uh, what did you two guys give this one? Did you, uh, did you like it also? did like this i actually like this more than the other okada sonata matches i've seen this year um i was thinking it's primarily probably because there was a time limit and that for me added real drama at the end i was into it by the end i like this a lot more than i was kind of expecting it i'll be honest i was kind of dreading having to watch this didn't know anything about it i still found the opening to be quite slow wasn't necessarily engaged but it did build itself like so that spot with the skull ends i was kind of I was kind of into it and thinking, actually, is a card is going to is he's just going to pass out from this? And I wasn't kind of expecting a direction, and I didn't mind the setup for it for the, with the moon salt as well. So I even it's four stars, so a good match. It's as it's probably as high as I would have been in Sonata throughout the entirety of this tournament. <laughs> um, yeah, and the crowd are obviously going batshit as well in the process. Oh uh, yeah, I've got to say, I love this match. This I've never really enjoyed the Okada Sonata matches. They've had no, some dull either. matches this year. JP's right with the time limit. They don't have a tool to play with, True. and they they use the tool as part of the story, as part of the psychology of the match, and they work to that time limit. Well, they didn't work to the time limit, but they worked to that thirty minute time limit perfectly in using the sort of last remaining twelve seconds and all the rest of it. I thought it was a a really great match and I'm not a Sonata fan but this is the most into a Sonata match I've been throughout this tournament um, even the first 10 minutes I was kind of like alright this is there's a bit more of a pace and a kind of zip to some of this than there has been in some of the other Okada Sonata matches it didn't feel like they were just doing kind of 15 minutes of pointless holds it felt like there was the crowd were into it as well at different points but yeah the lead into the finish was what this match was all about and the moment felt genuinely big the crowd seemed to genuinely love it as well it's the most i think i've ever got out of sonada in a match ever and i don't want to see sonada you know being main event in cards anytime soon. Oh, I don't it's gonna really happen, isn't it? Another... We're gonna get the yeah. match. They're gonna go an hour. Yeah. yeah. I don't really want to see another Okada Sonada match at any point soon. 
I think we are going to see another one based <laughs> yeah. on this result. Let's hope it's not a royal quest because I don't really want to see it live. Which is a massive shame considering I fucking love this match and thought it was one of the best matches of the tournament so far. What about Jay White's Sonata at Royal oh, Quest? Sure. <laughs> I have to watch Jay White at the main event of Madison Square Garden <laughs> after sitting next to an absolute moron for four hours. <laughs> Oh, oh, I always want to see who this moron is. Now, you never this. will. <laughs> oh, look, he's in the front row an MLW show is that was in Philadelphia because he told me, I remember when I was sat next to him, that Brian Pillman Jr. came past him and he was really drunk and he slapped him on the chest or something. Yeah. Wow. So if you can find that MLW show from around March, April, you might find the arsehole. There you go. So I'll we'll track him down. <laughs> JP, that's a One thing here. I should also add on that twat. The most <laughs> the most he reacted for any New Japan wrestler during that show was when bad luck bad luck Farley came out during the Battle Royal. That tells you all you need to know. Let's move on. Definitely. Well moving on to the uh the last B block night we've got to cover today, day fourteen. Yeah. Uh kicked off with Again, I was praising a Yano match before as breaking the scale. If that one hadn't done it, this one might do it for me again. Gave it three and a half. Feels harsh, but again, it's right on the grapple average. Uh, Ishii and Yano. It was a comedy match in some ways because Yano can't help but be funny. Mm. But he was pulling out the wrestling. He was trying to out-wrestle Ishii. Meanwhile, Ishii was just beating the shit out of him. But I thought it was really creative. Like, Yano had rolled up counters to Ishii's uh, sit-down lariat and the brain buster. Watched this pretty much right before we came on and absolutely loved it. Uh, Yeah, a couple of back-to-back really strong Yano matches for me. I was saying to Joe earlier on that, like, I was really struggling to sort of watch. This was the show I had to watch today before we were recording, and I was like, oh, God, I'm struggling a bit here. Watching this match, it G'd me up enough to sort of get through everything else. And like you say, it was creative. It was different. Mm. I mean, I'm assuming that Yano is coming up with what to do for this. If so, he is a kind of genius at these types of matches for being a, and Ishii as well I mean this is the crazy thing you see Ishii in a comedy match but he's not portraying his character at all doing anything silly or unusual oh the, the idea of removing the... was trying to get him to come to the outside and he just stood his ground in the middle of the ring that's what Ishii was sat doing. in the seat yeah yeah and it completely made sense for him to do that as well. It was it was fantastic. You know, and there were points where like Yano was having to take a load of chops into the corner as well. It was and he still had the usual Yano shenanigans. I, I mean on the Yano scale I've, I've gone three point two five, which again is probably closer to a five star in the real Yeah, I went three point two five as well. Fair play to Ishii. He's stubborn. He doesn't let people push him around. He sticks to his guns and he does what he wants to do. Like you, Benno, not being able to get me into a bloody Toby Carvery. (laughs) I tried, lads. I really tried. Uh, Following that, I mean, we could probably lump these two matches together. Taichi and Juice Robinson and Goku and Jeff Cobb. Any thoughts on either of them? Two professional wrestling matches in a professional ring. (laughs) I didn't have a lot of time. Didn't didn't have a lot of time. Had to skip them both. Uh, Weather had picked up, so I got that opportunity to get the washing hung out, and it all, all dried by the evening. So these matches definitely served their purpose. <laughs> two point nine average on grapple and three point two average on grapple. Uh, yeah, not much. Two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. Fair. That shows you how much I didn't even put much thought into the fucking star rating. That's how little I thought. <laughs> 
Tell you what I did enjoy, though. Jay White and John Moxley uh, gave that 3.75. I thought that was really fun. Um, Kind of a Moxley-style brawl from the top with kind of your usual Jay White shenanigans. And as I kind of spoiled for myself earlier on the show, this was a match where I really was into those kind of the counters between uh, Jay White going for a switchblade finisher, is it? And going to that bloody Sunday DDT and Moxley reversing it into his DDT. I really did kind of enjoy the drama in this one. I went in unspoiled. I didn't know who was going over. Uh, I thought, you know, as far as Moxley having so many wins so far, it makes sense for uh, for Jay White to be the, the one who upsets him. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really solid 15-minute match. And yeah, um, one of Jay White's strongest in this tournament. Completely agreed. Yay! Um, Yay. Yeah, the sort <laughs> of match the former IWGP heavyweight <laughs> champion should be having. <laughs> And yeah, the end sequence was great. I thought Moxley was awesome in the match. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I didn't like was how much Jay White was on offense during the match because I kind of do switch off during his long offense periods because his offense, unless he's unless it's during a finishing sequence, I find pretty dull. But when Moxley was on offense, he was awesome. That mm. it, The intensity that he's betraying throughout the tournament has increased. It's grown. He's getting more confident throughout the tournament as well. And that end sequence, which plays into Jay Wright's strengths as a wrestler, was top notch. Yeah, I love that because partly, the, and this is where the booking of the overall tournament works. The idea of the points mattering at this stage, the fact that Jay White has to win, and if Moxley wins, there's loads of people who are going out of the tournament. That stuff really helped. I bought a lot of the near falls at the end. Agree with the idea of Jay White on offense for this. That's why I love the start of the match when he just came out and attacked him to stop the kind of Jay White yes. delaying tactic. I really enjoyed that stuff and it worked well. And yeah, with Moxley, I mean, done without the getting a table out and the rest of it. But I gave this three and a half. I enjoyed this more than what I thought, than perhaps what I thought I would. And at the start of the tournament, I probably would have been thinking this is going to be bloody awful before it even began. So it says about how much that every time Moxley's wrestling, it's, you know, I'm into it. I watched this one with my um, my eldest son and he enjoyed it. Mm. He liked watching this one as well. And even, and he hates Jay White as well. That's probably Joe's influence on him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, he does. He doesn't like Jay White at all. Oh, he's a man of taste. I've yeah. always said for a 14-year-old lad, he's got a proper brain. He can have an adult conversation and he knows what he's talking about when it comes to football. And you know what? He knows what he's talking about when it comes to wrestling as well. Yeah. Good work. Refuse to watch Triple Mania. You brought him up well. <laughs> That's the mother I'd have to say on that one. Me in the background, yeah. operating in the shadows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the JV quote of a lifetime. He um. really is. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I yeah, three and a half. Um, I probably enjoyed it more than the three and a half makes it sound. Mm. Next up, Nato and Shingo. Really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, Shingo yeah. got a lot of offense in, and I appreciated that, but it made me worry because I was. This is the last match I watched before we press record, and I, I was literally watching it down to the wire before I called you guys. And I was literally standing in my living room cheering for Shingo. I just wanted him to get that win over Naito. Like, he's already bigger than Naito. Like, he's supposed to be the junior, and he's wider and taller <laughs> than Naito. Like, it's ridiculous. Shingo should be re- leading this faction as, as far as I'm concerned. I was. Really, I bought completely into this one, cheering Shingo along in my living room. And yeah, just for me, first class stuff. I don't always love Naito, but I felt like, yeah, Shingo 
I wouldn't say dragged him kicking and screaming because obviously Naito's got that gear, but uh, one of the, 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 the Naito matches I've enjoyed most uh, in this tournament and really this year all in all. I gave it a four and a half. I probably could have gone stronger on it. The, the grapple average right now is 4.63, uh, which is quite impressive. Absolutely loved it. Love Shingo. Uh, made me interested in Naito, so that's enough for me. How about you guys? Match of a tournament for me. Wow. I, I thought this was incredible. I went 4.75 on this one. Um, I, could have, yeah. I could be right there with you, yeah. Mm. I absolutely love this. I was in a post-football slump. <laughs> uh, thinking, <laughs> shit. Both of us. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I figured, oh, I've got to go record. Like, I'm so tired here. But this woke me up in a, a big, big way. Like, just from the beginning. You know what? Do you know what I was actually doing, JP? So I'm a bit of washing out. Good, that's, sort of that's where the magic happens so in wrestling. During the entrances, yeah. um, when Kevin Kelly and Chris Charm were talking over their history, I was mm. like straight away grabbed by the sort of context yep. that this was given as well. And that went a long way. And it made you sort of realise why the match had that sort of level of intensity. Mm. It looked like both men were loving getting, getting the chance to work together in a sacker in a main event on a New Japan show, mm. and they clicked. There was they had so much chemistry. The pace of the match, the sort of little mind games that were played at sort of early parts of the match as well, with like Naito going for the um, Lij, like what, what would you call it? Like, oh, the fist bump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, just little things like that mm. was so good. And sort of Shingo pausing and thinking, oh, okay, what's going on here? Just got the match over, got the dynamic of both guys and what their approach is over straight away and that kind of mistrust, if anything, how Naito knows Shingo, how Shingo knows Naito. And some of the counters and reversals, mm. sort of unpredictable element mm. of this match because we've never seen them wrestle before, made it so enjoyable. that they, There was a pace to this match. That, this was 27 yeah. minutes and the pace they worked at was just on a different level of anything else I think we've seen throughout this tournament. Like, Akada Osprey was one of my favourite matches, probably my second favourite match. The first 10 minutes of that was a lot of exchange of the holds. It was mm. good, but the first 10 minutes of this was kind of balls to the wall straight away. Think about where this match went from that reversal of the... Um, uh, it was like the Rana. Yeah, the yeah. Night of reverse the Rana. So, first of all, we've gone to do the reverse Rana... He, it he caught it around, he caught it with a powerbomb, yeah. Then he goes to a powerbomb in the top rope, and Knight reverses it into that mm. rather. Just, just great thought, great yeah. psychology once again. Mm. Just great storytelling from both men as well. And I honestly think Shingo is one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. I think as far as this year, after Osprey, he might be my second favourite wrestler this year. It's just putting in performance after performance against juniors, against heavyweights. Mm. He's telling interesting and diverse stories. He's getting himself over. He's getting some of the younger guys over. Mm. Look at his rivalry with Show this year as well. The guy is an absolute gem, and I'm so glad that he's in New Japan. I'm so glad that this match was given the kind of uh, importance that mm. it deserved, if anything. Just an insane match that I'm so happy we got to experience in this G1. Yeah, oh, I can't. I don't know how much more <laughs> I can add on to it. I went, I went four and a half on it. Which part of the reason? I suppose I've gone four point seven five on Osprey Akada. That I, I, I preferred that, but 
I think, and again, we all kind of were having to rush to watch this and watch this show today in general. And it was a hell of a lot easier than, than I actually thought it would be simply because like this match actually got me quite pumped up for the kind of stuff that's going on tomorrow. Mm. Um, I, it was, it's super. We said spent about Shingo. I'll be fascinated to see what the sort of stats, the average ratings come through for Shingo. Um, Cause he's been, he absolutely believe you mentioned sort of a load of the spots there as well. Um, yeah. Pace was great. This was, I, yeah, four and a half, go out of your way to watch this. This is, this was superb stuff and it was definitely like the best of night. I'm trying to think the only other match would have been that Abushi match at MSG. Perhaps I would have, would have perhaps liked more. So it made me feel a bit more enthusiastic about seeing Naito. It might have been actually the two Naito matches on the show generally I enjoyed. It feels like, okay, he's getting into that last week before Budokan. And yeah, a bit more, a bit more hopeful in those. Mm. Yeah, this was peak G1, wasn't it? Uh, and yeah, yeah, people could probably tell, you know, we had a heavy weekend and G1 fatigue was starting <laughs> to rear its ugly head. Although, very, much later this tournament than in past years. And I'll put that oh, down yeah. to the sketch because we're almost there. Like it's this weekend that we're done. Uh, unbelievably, it's flew by really. Um, but yeah, this and, is the match because we're skipping. Why we do it? I was going to say because we're skipping those pre-show matches. We're not oh, even God. seeing Yoshi. No, you were not even seeing Yoshi Hashi in those multi-mans. That's yeah. it's just been lovely. Apparently, <laughs> Zack Saber Junior said, "What's the point of these tag matches? I should be down the pub." <laughs> I love him. That's going to go in the uh, the audio clip for next uh, next. There episode, we go. We've already sorted out the audio for Friday. <laughs> right. Good. Yeah, get that uh, on board. Right. Uh, any other thoughts on uh, on the G one from this week, or or anything else from our trip to Liverpool? Anything else you want to talk about before we go? Oh, I think I'm. I've I've just need to get some sleep back, recover, mm. get back into some kind of working pattern as well. Too old Ready for, for Friday. We're and then this insane weekend of wrestling coming up as well. What have we got coming up this weekend over the New Japan and WWE? What well, else is on? Well, we're going to United Wrestling in oh. Oxford, aren't we? Oh, you are, oh, right? Yeah, got, yeah, live show on Saturday. But there's a Ring of Honor show as well, right? Yeah, I'll probably watch that. I'm going to try ROH and GCW on Friday. I'm going to watch them. Can I talk you into watching the Janelle show, Joe? If I've got the time, hmm. yeah, not against it, but it's finding the time, mate. Uh, yeah. I'm not watching Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> Fair you enough. Were, that was one of the points you did make absolutely clear that you are not watching Ring of Honor again. <laughs> Apart from that great Ring of Honor uh, DVD that comes, that documentary that will be made in five years' time. I'll watch old Ring of Honor, but yeah. I ain't watching current Ring of Honor. Look, Ring of Honor, ride horses and eating roast dinners. Fuck off. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> True to the gimmick. Uh, but yeah, there's that takeover Saturday, isn't it? Uh, I really it's not s- a gimmick, mate. It's, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Uh, takeover Saturday, SummerSlam Sunday, and there's yeah the the last two G1 days uh, as far as the the blocks go, and then the the final on Monday. Uh, it's probably not as I expected SummerSlam weekend to be a little bit more stacked as far as indie shows go. I mean, there's a lot of progress going on, but we're probably all never going to see that by the time it comes out on VOD. But yeah, plenty to take our teeth into, and as I said earlier, we'll be doing multiple shows over the weekend. Uh, again, expecting Friday, Sunday, Monday, but keep glued to our Twitters in case that that schedule is. Uh, a little yeah. bit flexible, but you'll be hearing plenty from us, uh, rest assured. 
We have to sleep at various points, and I need to fit in that Dundalk game on Thursday night against Slovan Bratislava. You got to recap a JP on that. Maybe we'll bring we'll oh, bring James yeah. in just so the two years can uh, can chat. That also that. isn't a gimmick. That's something I do <laughs> remarkable amount of my time. You do, you do, very true. Uh, but yeah, anything as far as plugs before we should go, we should definitely we should plug Graps and Claps. Uh, all three of us yes. were on that. Uh, really enjoyed uh, doing that in the week uh, with the several Andrews and uh, and Andy and Jeff. <laughs> uh, do love that podcast. As far as covering, yep. you know, the undergraps and the indies that maybe we don't often get to, uh, no one out there is uh, doing it better and really doing it full stop and he does the lord's work and uh, any of the promotions that he does cover should just be glad that he's doing it because yeah really enjoyed being on that we had a we had a hell of a time yeah yeah great fun i had a great time this weekend everyone we met out there really really brilliant it really enjoyed myself and it's also slightly broken me this week which is probably the sign of it being a good weekend mm. Good job you only got like four or five podcasts to do this weekend, JP. So Well, that's it, exactly. That's it. Got all that to, to, to <laughs> bit of through. time to rest now. Though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bit, well, of, bit of time to rest. Well, no rest for me. I'm on post tomorrow. You'll be able to listen to the British Wrestling Experience too. Check that out. Uh, follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Benson Richard E. Follow JP at JP Jippy. Follow the Grapple App at Grapple App. Um, and go on. Give a good grab some claps a follow. Follow Andy, Augie Par 3 yes. uh, on Twitter too. Uh, but yeah, that's us for a, a few days. You'll be hearing plenty of us this weekend. Bye. Driving around those busy streets, trying to find somewhere to go. That was my best Jeff Jarrett singing impression. I'll stop. At Chicken Salad Chick, our fan favorite delicious diva is back. With bright notes of fresh dill and crunchy cucumbers, it's bursting with flavor. And bring on spring with our seasonal strawberry and pecan salad and key lime pie. They're both a little sweet and a little tangy. Available for a limited time only. At Chicken Salad Chick, every order is made with care. And with online ordering options, we've made it easier to enjoy Chicken Salad Chick however you feel most comfortable. Available in-store, in the drive-thru, or online at chickensaladchick.com. For takeout, curbside, or delivery, we're available. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.